Hey, before we get started, I just want to warn you that this episode contains talk of drug abuse and domestic violence. And if those topics might make this a hard listen for you, feel free to skip it. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Hey guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Broken. Um, it is late here. I am tired. Uh, this is a busy week because I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going to see my parents and about for the first time in about three years. And all my kids are going to get on a plane. This is the first time on their plane. On a plane, excuse me. Um, so I'm like prepping for this shit. Uh, I got to get a lot of work done. I got to get a lot of podcasting done. A lot of cleaning done. A lot of shit done before I go. And the regular shit hasn't stopped either. So I am tired. I'll tell you what though. Sorry about that, Yanni. I have been watching a lot of uh, Kardashians lately. And mostly because... So Kara, on her um, Patreon for everyone's business but mine, has been doing deep dives into each of the Kardashians. Uh, Kara used to have a Kardashian-centered podcast. I say Kardashian weird because I don't want to go Kardashian. I want to say Kardashian. That's what I want to say. But whatever. Um, she used to have a centric podcast like that. And I don't know. She just got a lot to, she's got a lot of info for it. So she's been doing um, deep dives on each member of the family. And she was talking about Life of uh, Kylie, which I never finished. So I finished that. And then I um, started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians because, um, I don't know. I just never... I used to watch it all the time when it first, first came on because that was back when we used to like just put on E and let them play reruns while you're doing the laundry, you know, like you just be like, oh, I'm just going to put on TLC and TLC is going to play their new episodes 70 million times and it's fine. You just let it run. So, but like in terms, like in latter years where I had to like go watch it. I don't know. I haven't watched it. Uh, and I feel like whatever goes on, I'm going to find out about anyway. I am on Twitter. So I've never seen the episodes, but, you know, I've been watching. I've been wanting to watch something that's like low commitment, you know. Um, and the nice thing about that show is that nothing happens on it. Like literally nothing happens on it. Like for two, like one episode will be like, here's what happened in Paris when I was robbed. And then for like six episodes after that, it'll be, let's prank Chris. Or Chloe's got OCD, which no the fuck she doesn't, but okay. Like, like, uh, that episode happened really late in the series when people should know that like, you're not like, it's incredibly inappropriate to say that somebody who likes their things neat or is controlling about their environment has OCD because that's not necessarily the same thing. Um, OCD is a debilitating disease (laughs) that will ruin your life and, is not always about cleaning. I don't want to say ruin my life, ruin people's lives because somebody's condition doesn't have to run, but they like people who suffer from OCD are really going fucking through it and it doesn't have to be about cleaning. It's about rituals and like reducing OCD to somebody who like doesn't want to mark on their wall is like, <laughs> it's uh, almost laughable if it wasn't so ridiculous. So like by the time they have that episode, 
we're just too late in like too into current times for you not for production not to realize that you can't do an episode where you're just like I think Chloe has OCD because she's got a new house and wants her floors clean um so it's a lot of that so that's what I mean nothing happens but so it's a commitment free series like feel free to fast forward anytime Kendall starts talking which I do Kendall is so fucking boring I have no idea there are some people who think Kendall, who, Kendall is their favorite um, if I had to choose who my favorite is, it's Mean Kim. I like Kim when Kim is like screaming at people. Um, I just watched an episode where she threatened to fire Chris from the show. <laughs> uh, when they have those big fights, th- that I think that's the real Kim. She gets this twinkle in her fucking eye, and she seems, I mean, when she's like in a fight with Kanye's friend, and Kanye's forgiving him because Kanye's with the Lord now, and Kim's like, not me, bitch. (laughs) When she is calling some woman a hoe, for what reason? Uh, I'll tell you what reason. She happened to go, she's in a hotel room with Scott Disick, who is single, and Scott has invited her back, and she has come back, and so Kim's gonna go in there and scream at her and call her a hoe, and then call Kanye and say she went ghetto on her. I don't like that, but I, but mean Kim, Kim hitting somebody with her purse, Kim telling people they don't have a business, Kim telling people that they're jealous because she's getting a Range Rover. It's like, this is my favorite Kim because I think that's a really authentic Kim. Um, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't care if the good work you do in this world is to make yourself look good or to, or to like, you know, uh, reposition your brand. I don't care as long as you do the work. And so the stuff that she's doing with um, prisoners and at one point she paid for uh, some guy, to, some person who just got out of prison to get his face tattoos removed. Like, I understand how this benefits her, but I don't care. I just feel like if you do the good work, it's done. That's it. And the fact is anyone who's doing service work, um, volunteer or otherwise is been it they do it because it benefits themselves and that benefit might just be that you feel better about the world or you or you like to see the world the way you want it to be or you're trying to be the change you want to be but you do get a benefit from it so there is no acts of of that sort that don't have a benefit to the person doing it and so once you realize that you are less likely to be like, oh, Bethany just flew supplies to Puerto Rico so she can look good. Yeah, that is why she did it. But she did it. They got there. And lots of people just want to look good and didn't do anything. So anyway, um, I also like, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm really paying attention to is uh, Courtney's kids. Courtney's always like, I need to be around my kids. I'm a full-time mother. I'm this and this and this. Why are your kids so bad then, Courtney? kids are bad well what you doing over there I know Courtney has like deep emotional wounds from her parents marriage breaking up she blames her mother which is I mean fine she did cheat a lot Christy was like running around town popping that pussy but (laughs) but I get it I understand why Courtney's mad at her um and she feels like it's her fault and but like Courtney, the difference between adults and children is that um, children get to blame p- 
parents and adults have to take responsibility for their actions. And I'm not saying that the hurts and the traumatic experiences and all that shit from, from being young are not important. I'm saying though that like some of the stuff you're doing is because you, you, your parents broke up and, and like, we can't fix our childhoods by doing things in our children's childhoods. They have separate childhoods and your kids are fucking bad. All of them. Mason's a little bad. I mean, Mason did get on, get on TikTok and tell the business, but <laughs> he's not that. He's a little bad. Um, Penelope. So I never saw an episode of Corey threatened to beat Penelope. <laughs> I never saw the episode. I just saw it on the blogs. And so it snuck up on me, you know? <laughs> but it, apparently Penelope, Courtney comes back to the table to say that she's lost her nanny because Penelope was upset getting in the car and scratched up the nanny's face. And the nanny quit on the spot. And although I don't know why Corey's talking, but Corey's and he says, well, you know, if a baby spirit scratched up my face, I, I'd hit her. And I'm like, I understand this is like hypothetical, but nobody wants to hear how you waiting to hit their kid. Nobody wants to fucking hear that, Corey. Why would you even say that? You know, um, and Courtney and Scott get really upset about it or whatever. But like, and while I'm on their side about Corey, like Corey... <laughs> I don't care what you think you do to my kid, but if you put your hands on my kid, we have a really fuck big problem. Um, but I also, I'm like, this is all hypothetical because when the fuck is Corey alone with my kid? When Never, because I don't fucking know Corey. They're talking about they don't know Corey's background. They ain't never seen Corey's, like, where Corey come from. They don't know Corey's people. He just kind of was there, and then he never went home. And I, too, would be like, I don't fucking know Corey. And that, that doesn't mean I can't, like, Go over Chris's house and have dinner and Corey's there. I mean, I don't know Corey to be watching my kids. That's I don't know Corey like that. I don't care how long he's been at Chris's house. I don't know Corey like that. I would never let him. I, I have nannies. Why, why the fuck would Corey be watching my kids by himself? Um, but in that like conversation, Courtney has a, says that Penelope gets like this sometimes. Or just kind of like out of body. There's nothing you can take from her that affects her. There's nothing you can do. Um, she uh, has these moments where she is hurting. Basically, she hurts other people sometimes. And Courtney, if if regular natural consequences do not work with Penelope, you can take her to a psychiatrist. Because some of the stuff that she was saying, although she was vague about it, sound like... A couple of disorders I can name. I'm not trying to like, first of all, I'm not a doctor, so I shouldn't be diagnosing anybody. And you definitely shouldn't diagnose anybody over what you heard on a reality TV show, Dr. Drew. Okay. <laughs> but, but you need to take Penelope to somebody. And you need to take somebody, Penelope to somebody because if she is actively hurting people in fugue states and there is nothing to do to calm her down in that state, and also no natural consequences work in terms of behavioral stuff, that is indicative of something like bigger. And you walking around like, like this, this isn't a gluten-free, this isn't something that's solved by gluten-free bread, okay? You, Penelope's young, 
I know that she's even younger than she is right now, but this is something you want to start now because the older they get, the harder it is to like start anew. Um, and I, I, the fact that the nannies quit right then tells me that this is not the first time something like this has happened. And you got to do more than like find a new nanny, Courtney. You need to do something. Um, and in terms of rain, quick, <laughs> Kara says he has big Kool-Aid smile energy. And do you guys know what a Kool-Aid smile is? It's that red ring above somebody's lip who's been drinking Kool-Aid. I mean, it's named for Kool-Aid, but it could be juice or whatever, but it's just a red ring. And, and when she said that, it, it's a perfect description of rain. Rain, I definitely see rain in a yard with no shoes on, a Kool-Aid smile and dirty clothes on. And Courtney's lucky she's rich because Rain, you add some poverty to Rain, he reads a different way, um, a CPS investigation way. I mean, he, he just, he's cursing all the time. He just, he gives big, like, nobody takes care of me energy, um, which I know isn't true, but I'm just saying that's the energy he gives. And that episode where she's like, I guess she gets into it with Kim because uh, she's rude to Kim's nanny. And what I, my understanding of what's happening is that uh, Kim's nanny was with the kids. Rain was doing something in a car or something, maybe making noises and not listening and not uh, heeding people telling him to stop. And the nanny told him, like a cop came by, like, am I making this up? Like, basically, something led to her saying that um, the police lock up bad little kids. Again, I haven't seen all the shows, so I could have just made it up in my head. But Courtney, and Courtney ends up confronting the nanny, and the nanny says she was rude to her, and the nanny complains to Kim. Um, and Courtney says she did it because Rain has this thing where he needs her to defend him in front of people. Um, he needs to see her defend him. And that sounds like therapy talk to me. And that's fine. Whatever. But the thing is about this is that Rain is not an adult. And Rain is not at the same level of authority as the nanny. That doesn't mean that the nanny can do whatever she wants to Rain or that Rain must tolerate all sorts of abuse or Rain can't have an opinion or Rain isn't a, per a person. I think that a lot of times... When people, when I say that, people think I'm talking old school parenting where you're not even allowed to express emotion that is opposite of what an adult has like deemed you should be emoting. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is there are levels to this. And Rain is not in charge of the nanny. Um, and so you reprimanding a nanny in front of Rain and Rain's request sets a precedent for things. And that's just not how it, it's supposed to work. Now, if it were me, I don't want the nanny telling my kids that the police uh, put bad kids in jail either because one, it's not really true. I mean, it can be true. It can be. You've seen the news lately. But it's not really true. And I also don't want, that's not the way I want my kids to talk to. I don't, I don't want them to have this impression that if they are misbehaving, a cop is okay to come and get them and take them somewhere. So I would have talked to the nanny separately and I would have just said, hey, can you not say that to him? Like that's this is this is not how I want my kids to talk to, and I understand that he was like doing whatever. Um, I just that's not that's not how I want you to handle it. And then I tell her how I wanted her to handle it. Um, 
And in terms of Rain, I would not have had that conversation in front of Rain because I don't want Rain to ever think he's in charge of the adults around him. This is a bad precedent. It's like it's like letting a dog believe that they are the master of the house. There are people listening to this that were like, Princess think kids are dogs. I don't, but they, there's a lot, there's a lot of crossover there. And when you have a dog that barks and lunges at people for you and does things like that, it is because they think that they need to. They think you can't handle, they think they're in charge of handling this. They do not believe in your ability to handle it. They do not believe that there is a pecking order here and that I'm in charge and then you. And so that means if I don't want to rip this person's face off, you don't get to because I'm in charge here. And so kids can be like that too, but it really sets them off balance because six-year-olds are supposed to have people in charge of them. And being out on your own, like it causes anxiety. It causes people acting out acting out things that look that look like someone is intentionally being bad when in reality they are going through the anxiety of the fact that they are supposed to be in charge of all these people around them. Um, so I wouldn't have said that in front of Rain. I would have taken Rain to the side. I was like, you know, that's actually not true. And I'm going to go talk to Miss Mary or whatever the woman's name is. Um, I don't like kids calling adults by their first name. Again, there are levels to this. I, I really hate kids with no manners. And and I'm not saying that if your kids call people by their first name, you don't have any manners, but the purpose of manners and politeness is, is like, I understand the rules of society and I'm showing you I understand them. And so now you know how to come at me. And so Liz famously talks about how, like Liz really loves like manners. She has great manners. And, but one thing she didn't do growing up, she didn't call people Miss or Mr. or whatever, because her mom grew up in, her mom grew up in the area that my parents are from and still live in. And uh, it's not very Southern to me, but if you're from Pennsylvania, I can see how it might seem Southern to you. Um, I've just lived in a lot more Southerner places. Anyway, um, and like when she was growing up, she like she didn't like growing up there. It was like entirely too Southern for her. And one of the things she hated was calling people Mr. and Mrs. whatever. So that's like something she grew up with. But I prefer it. And I like dislike my kids calling people by their first name because I want them to indicate that a sign of like respect to someone that's older than them. Um, and if they say call me by my first name, that's fine. Even I like right now as an adult, if I were to be talking to someone in a, in a situation that was like my mother's age, I would not call them by their first name. I would either, if we're in a casual situation, I'd call them Miss whatever their name is. And if they said, no, 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 call me Julia. I'd be like, okay, Julia. But I would start there. Anyway, I would say to Rain, I'd be like, listen, Miss Mary, that, that wasn't the right thing to do. And you're, and I understand that you're upset by that. And I, I, I hate seeing you upset. And I'm gonna talk to Miss Mary and just know this isn't gonna happen again. I'm gonna handle this for you. However, when I leave you with Miss Mary, Miss Mary's me. And so if you have a problem with something she asks you to do or something she does, you can come to me to talk about that. But if you are not listening to her or you are doing things that are that we know you're not supposed to do, that's the same as if you weren't doing it, if you weren't listening to me. And we don't do that. So I appreciate that you talk to me about this. I love when you talk to me about things. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to handle this for you. But for the future, if Miss Mary asks you to be quiet in the car, if you're like, uh, if, if you're being loud in the car, Miss Mary asks you to be quiet, then you should be quiet. That's it. And that's how I would deal with that because <laughs> I just finished listening to, Tor to Troy's, um, uh, Nicole Richie episode, which I adore. Uh, I love, I'll talk about Nicole Richie. They even got into Rachel Zoe. Love, love, love. And one of the things they talked about is how, because she was adopted out of like, kind of like, uh, not great circumstances and into this rich family, they never said no to her. Never, ever. She never had any boundaries. And it's really important to set boundaries with your children. It's part of the reason Nicole spent her teenage and early 20s like really wilding out driving the wrong way on the highway on heroin it's part of it it's part of like that personality she has where she's scared of nothing she's willing to do whatever and say whatever and while it's entertaining to watch if perhaps she had had some like structure and boundaries growing up she wouldn't have had to spend all this time testing it do you understand what i'm trying to say Anyway, I don't like Courtney's kids. I don't. I don't like any of them. I don't like bad kids. I, I'll just I'll just put it that way. And listen, all kids are fucking bad. All of them. But, but I do not like wild-ass kids that are empowered to do whatever they want at all times. Um, just like I don't like wild-ass dogs that roam the streets biting people. I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's cute. I don't think that's, I don't, I, that's not for me, to be honest. Um... Anything else I've been watching? Yeah, I've just, like I said, I've just been finishing up the Kardashian stuff. And, like, so in terms of, like, Courtney not wanting to record and thinking that, like, basically not liking the job and thinking that the other women, the sisters, are not, like, supporting her in it. And, like, guys... Courtney's saying is true is that her sisters are not supporting her but the reason her sisters aren't supporting her is because they have to do more work because she's not doing that and like to defend Courtney which I hate to do the first few seasons of this show a lot of it was focused on her relationship with Scott and like I mean when Scott was in his full sloppy toppy addiction stage I mean I think Scott's still an addict but I mean I mean the ones where he's like I think they're in New York. He's running through the house, um, high as fuck, and like he's the the episode where he and Rob, he and Rob are both high in Vegas. They're both high, but they they kind of protect Rob in that episode, and um, and uh, Scott puts that money in that waiter or maitre d's mouth. Ugh. Like Courtney just had to let that be, Courtney was the first sister who gave birth on camera and like pulled a baby from her vagina. Like, like Courtney did a lot of things in the early years and that opened her up. It ruined, she said not ruined, but it hurt her and Scott's relationship and co-parenting relationship because it was all out there all the time. And Kim gets to be pretty private about Kanye. The season I just finished, like Kanye's doing talking heads and shit. But in general, she gets to be pretty private about Kanye and about like she wasn't even showing North at first and things like that. And so like I respect Courtney's right to be like, I don't want to talk about Eunice on, on screen. I don't want to do it. I respect that. 
that said, then you got to come up with something to talk about, babe. Then you need to film something. Then you need to, then you need to like, we need to really get into poosh, whatever the fuck that is. Then you need to like, I don't know, start rescuing dogs. You need to do something. Because you still have to put in these hours. You want to get paid like you're on the show? Because the thing is, you have all these opportunities not to be on the show. You can just not be on the show. Kylie's not really on the show. But I think Kylie and Kendall get paid at a certain rate. And the three older sisters get paid at a certain rate. Kylie's not really on the show. And I bet you if you told Kylie, okay, well, if you're not going to be on the show, we're not going to do this and this and that. Then we're not going to pay you. I bet you Kylie would be like, okay. Like, Courtney, just... (laughs) I find her to be insufferable a lot of times and she's such a give it but can't take it type person like um a couple of seasons it's just her crying all the time and I and like when they explain why she's crying like I totally understand but then like two episodes later she's saying something really offhand rude and mean to Chloe and calling Chloe sensitive I don't think Chloe's that sensitive I mean I do think Lily's sensitive about what she looks like, her weight, all that shit, because she was called the fat, ugly one for fucking seven years before at the top of this shit. That said, in terms of Courtney, I don't think she's that sensitive. And yet, how come you get to cry and everybody has to, like, figure it out, But and then next week you've got knives stabbing people? That's weird, Courtney. Um, she lies a lot. I just don't like her. I really don't. She thinks, I just do not like her. And at one point, she's like, because Scott says that he thanks Kim for his career all the time. And Courtney's like, well, yeah, Kim started the show, but like it's stayed on because I'm so funny. Uh, Courtney said that. I'm so funny in my personality. And like everyone just looks at her. And I'm like, yeah, you like in terms of no personality, it's Kendall than you. Chris has more personality than you do. Chris, <laughs> I don't know. I just like, like. I completely understand not wanting to tell every part of your life. I know that doesn't sound like you're like princess. You tell every part of your life. No, the fuck I don't. But, but I understand like there's things you want to keep to yourself. I understand that. And then when they're in Armenia and she's like, they're in Armenia to spread like, uh, to, you know, make a splash with public interest into the U.S. declaring the Armenian genocide as like, like recognizing it as an official genocide or whatever. I don't know. They got a list of genocides and then, then they, they're like, these are the only real genocides. I don't know, but it's something like that. And so they're supposed to go there and do a lot of press and go a lot of places and get a lot of pictures taken of them and post a lot of things and like build some buzz around this this initiative. And, and Courtney is upset because people are taking pictures. She can't even get to the shrine. And like that would annoy the fuck out of me. But I'm not famous, guys. I'm not famous. And don't want to be. Like when I was on Kara's um, podcast, Everyone's Business But Mine, talking about the Kim Ye divorce and all the new developments on it. Guys, if Northwest was my kid, she wouldn't be on TikTok. I don't think children belong on TikTok. I just don't. I don't think... I don't think children should have unfettered access to the internet. I don't think children should be able to be on social media, make content, and anyone can view it. I just don't believe in any of that stuff. But so if Northwest was my kid, they would she wouldn't be on the internet. She wouldn't be on TikTok. But if Northwest was my kid, she wouldn't have met JoJo Siwa. She wouldn't be on a TV show that records her all the time. She wouldn't have parody accounts. Like pretending to be her. She would like Northwest was famous before she ever took her first breath. She was famous before we knew what her name was. And so 
And she lives in a house where people whose whole jobs are media related, content related, sharing their lives, lending the, their whole pers- public personality is a brand that they use to sell things. And like, I understand why she wants, she's on TikTok. And also she's growing, she's in LA. She's growing up around all these famous kids, famous kids, but like, you know, uh, different types of kids. And they're all on TikTok. So I see how you're like, Northy really wants to be on TikTok. And so I get a little, so I put the app on my phone or one of my mini phones and sometimes we'll make TikToks and we'll decide what she can release. Now, you could have done that and then put it on private and only let like family members and kids from school like be her friends. You think about that. You don't, the world doesn't need to see it. But still, like as soon as you're sitting here going, that's not normal in my world. Well, you this ain't your world. You know what I mean? And so, like, I completely understand how Courtney feels about, like, listen, I, I'd like to try a relationship in private before it goes public. I'd like, before people, for as soon as people see me with this person, then all of a sudden everyone's DMing me about them, their ex-girlfriends doing a fucking interview, like, all this other shit. I'd like my kids not to be on screen all the time being bad. I'd like not to have all my business out there, and I want to be able to go to an Armenian um, memorial, I think it was, a shrine, it was something like that. Um, so it was like a holy type place. I like to be able to go there and take pictures with my kids without a thousand people standing around me taking pictures. I understand that. But that's not why you're on the strip. And if you don't want to be a celebrity, you don't have to be. Plenty of people aren't celebrities and don't have to be. But here's the thing. You get paid from this fucking show. You push only exists because you're a celebrity. You only get those... I, there's an episode where they're fighting over um, Mugler uh, looks and shit like that. You only get Mugler looks because you're famous because people take pictures of you in the looks. And that's why they want you. To, you know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. So I just have a hard time. Why I know it exists. I have a really hard time with people who have everything or what seems like every, what, what what feels like everything complaining about it. When they have a choice, Courtney could never be on TV again, delete her socials and go home. That's it. Give us six months to a year. You could do it. Yeah, maybe if you go out to dinner with the family, you'll still get pictures taken. But you don't have to answer questions and you don't have to do any of that. Just stay home. But she doesn't. Because the thing is, it's not that she doesn't want to be a celebrity. It's that she doesn't want... To deal with the downsides of being a celebrity, it's not that she doesn't want to be a. It's not that she doesn't want to be on this reality TV show. She wants to be on this show when it suits her. You know, Chloe has to film. You know, two days after she's given birth and Tristan has cheated on her on the way to the fucking delivery room, she's got to film, and she does. They call her an idiot. She's talked about this. She was she was yelling about it on the show. The blogs call her stupid all the time. Every, Chloe is, if you look up stupid in the dictionary, Chloe's face is right next to it. Because she is stupid. But, like, people have all sorts of opinions about her. She has to, Tristan just had a baby on her. She's got she to gotta live through that shit. And as soon as that shit came out, people were like, oh, when's Chloe going to start posting about uh, knowing who your real friends are? And When's Chloe's inspirational? She's a joke. And it's be, but she wouldn't be if 
she, if this was done, I mean, she'd still be a joke, but we wouldn't know about it. Uh, it's tough. And I just don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Courtney. You could rob it. You really could. You could. Rob, we ain't seen Rob in a long time. And we see glimpses of Rob like his Bigfoot. Rob ain't out here. I don't know how Rob makes money. I'm assuming that he gets some percentage of the show, like something small, like not a lot, but he gets something. I don't really know. I know he ain't selling them fucking socks. He gets something. But he thinks that's better than being on the show. And I agree with him. I wouldn't be on the show either. And Courtney, well, ain't no show now, but Courtney, you don't have to do none of this. You can just go home. Now, will that mean that you can't take as many vacations? Yes, it will be because you're going to make less money. What is it that you do, Courtney? Courtney's on reality TV for any of them. She was on fucking Filthy Rich Cattle Drive or some shit. <laughs> Which I definitely watched. Because I'm a trash can. But, but like, come on, Courtney. Anyway, I've been watching that stuff. Guys, this week, we're going to do a commissioned episode. What's a commissioned episode? That is when someone emails me and offers me money to talk about something. It's 20 bucks. I'll talk about most things. There's a couple things I've turned down, but it's just because I could not, like, access the content or it was something that, like, I have no business talking about. And you're like, Princess, what kind of things do you have no business talking about? Um, stuff I am completely uninformed about and have no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, like, if you were to offer me $20 to talk about the Israeli-Palestine conflict, girl, <laughs> I have no fucking idea what's going on there. And I'm afraid to look it up because I'm afraid I'm going to get on a racist website and they're going to tell me some racist shit and I won't fucking know because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So <laughs> that's not the thing. But I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff out here that I am unqualified to be speaking about. And so I do not. However, there are lots of things I can speak about. And one of them I got a commission for 20 bucks today. Not today. A while back and now I'm finally doing it today. Is Bobby Brown. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, the person who commissions this name is Alex. They asked if, um, I talk about being Bobby Brown in their letter, letter, email. They said, uh, PS, PS Jen is also this household's bias as well. Guys, I've talked about this before. I'm just going to talk about it real quick again. Jen is my bias and BTS. Why is Jen my bias? Jen, well, what happened is I started learning about K-pop. And I'm still not, I'm a K-pop guy. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about there either. But I love learning about K-pop and learning about new groups. And what and it's a visual thing. If if a K-pop group leaves YouTube and gets into my playlist on, on Apple Music, they have really transcended. Because I mostly want to view K-pop. I want to see videos and performances. They call them stages. And I am like completely interested in the dynamics of them, of like what this is. And so BTS is the biggest K-pop group internationally. There are big, there are more K-poppy ones at home and, and in Korea, but like in internationally it's BTS. And so I remember when I first started watching the videos, I was like, I don't, I can't tell who anybody is because their hair keeps changing colors. Right. So next week, the one with pink is this one. And I'm like, that's not the like the day I figured out all their names. I was so fucking proud of myself. <laughs> the day, then I went back and watched rewatched everything I'd ever watched and was like, yeah, that is R.M. right there. <laughs> but as I was learning more about K-pop and I was learning about other groups, 
I came upon like, what is your bias? And a bias is your favorite. Basically, everything they do is great because you are biased in their favor. And so I was like, I gotta have a bias. Now, who's my bias gonna be? RM is RM is so good looking, guys. He does not fit traditional Korean uh, beauty standards, but he is so fun. He's tall. He's arms so cute. V is so fucking cool. The thing is, when he's like just like when they catch him like not performing, he can be a little awkward sometimes. But he is so fucking cool when he's performing. He is. I think he's the best looking out of all of them too. You know, everybody loves Jimin and his abs and stuff. And, everybody, you know, JK, he's he's the center at all times. And, like, the, J-Hope, everybody loves that guy. And I just, I'm, I did not forget about Sugar, okay? But, is that a, they're right. And so, but the reason I love Jin, or the reason I started saying, like, Jin's my bias is because when they tell the stories of how the group came together, they will talk about how this person was well-known in their area this person was a a trained dancer and this person won all these contests and this and this and that and this and then they'll be like and jen was getting off a bus <laughs> and he was really tall and good looking and we were like do you want to be in a group and he was like yeah and that's it <laughs> and traditionally he's not because unlike most of these guys he is not he hasn't been singing in a long time well, he has now, but when the group started, he hadn't been singing in a long time. He wasn't known as like a fierce fucking dancer. Neither is RM and neither is Sugar, but they're also, but they're also like known for being producers and R and raps, excuse me, and rappers. So they write their own stuff and they're known for that type of stuff. So the fact that they don't dance like an idol is like understandable. And so... What happened though is, and this is how you know, this is how people get, this is how people get radicalized by the internet. What happened is that it started off with me being like, Jen is my bias. <laughs> and I'm just saying that because it appears he's the least talented and he gets paid the same amount as everybody else and I stand. And what happened over the years is he became my bias because I would look for him. And then I find things like, at some point he wrote like a little, he wrote things to be happy for in whatever year, I think it was 2019 or whatever. And he knows that he's not the best dancer. So he tries really hard. Like he, he does more, he, he's just a little awkward. It's not that he's not good at it. I mean, he's been doing it for, for a fucking decade, guys. He's good at it. He's way better than any of us would be, but he's a little awkward at it. And he's not the, and he's definitely not the least good dancer in this group. And like one of the little things he wrote is when Hobie looks at me fondly while I'm dancing. And J-Hope is the is the kind of dance captain of the group. I mean, they have professional uh, choreographers, but he's the guy that learns. He kind of, he teaches people uh, the choreography. He's in charge of practicing with people and stuff. And so what Jen is saying is that it makes him very happy when he's dancing. He looks over and sees J-Hope looking at, smiling at him. Cause it means he's getting his steps and it was so like earnest and like, <laughs> and like it's that sort of stuff. And so what happens, so if you don't know, the reason these K-pop groups break these YouTube view things is because you are encouraged to watch your, your favorite groups video once, right? So you watch it, watch it again, watch about three times so you can like really get to it. 
And then you're supposed to, to break it down. So then you're supposed to watch just JK. Like you, your eyes only follow him in the entire. And then you do it to each of the members. And it's, like, and it's, and it's one of the reasons why they, cause you're, cause if you're a big fan, you're going to watch this thing like 10 times today and 10 times tomorrow and 10 times, like you're going to watch it all the time. And what happened is I was like looking at interviews and getting more content and stuff because YouTube is learning my, what I like. They're realizing that I'm looking at Jen more. So now it's serving me up Jen focused video. So that's when they crop the video so that you only see Jen. Like even if he's not in the foreground, even if he's not the main guy, because he's usually not the main guy, he'll be cropped. The, the video will be cropped so you can only see like his head in the back or whatever. And I'd watch those and I watch interviews with him. And, and then I found this um gosh, I'm gonna say the name wrong. I found this YouTube channel called Jenny Eats or something, J-I-N and I Eats. And it's just videos about Jen. And by the time it was all said and done, I was like, I do love him. He is my favorite. He is the best. And I was like, this is how people start watching. This is how people start watching gaming videos on YouTube. And next thing you know, they're in an insurrection. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. And so like when this, I first got this email, Jen had, Jen had COVID. And I remember, I don't even know how Google, well, yeah, I do know because I was watching on YouTube. But on my phone, I got this Google like pop up that said, BTS's Jin has COVID. And I will never fucking forget. I was like walking in the store and I went, <gasps> like it personally affected me. I was like, oh my God. I mean, it eventually went through like, I think I ran through like four of the guys in the group. But, <laughs> and so at the time of this request, when I see this PS, Jen is also this household spies as well. I was like, I wanted to write back immediately, do you know Jen has COVID? <laughs> because do, are you praying? Are your thoughts and prayers with him? Because I don't want anything. He's the oldest. I don't want anything to happen to him. I don't know. Anyway, I am babbling. <laughs> what this commission allowed me to do was to talk about Bobby Brown. And I always want to talk about Bobby Brown. Like, what is my relationship to Bobby Brown? So I was born in 1980. I, when Bobby Brown was making hits, uh, I was a child, but you know, my parents all are like always listen to music and stuff. And I remember watching BET soul as a young kid with like some friends of the family and they'd be like, I'm going to marry Bobby Brown. <laughs> this is when he was doing Adobe cruel. So his hair was definitely on a slant. The other thing is that Bobby Brown is. Bobby Brown is not white people famous. I mean, he is now, but in terms, before Bobby Brown married Whitney Houston, he was not white people famous. Um, he's very black famous and that we know who he is. Everybody's got a Bobby Brown story. If you're from Atlanta, you, you definitely got a Bobby Brown story. And like, and so main pop culture, I just remember this one time I was, um, I was watching, I was on TMZ and TMZ had this head on. It said little Wayne's baby mama, uh, something. And there's a picture of Lauren London. And I was like, you don't know who the fuck y'all don't, your audience doesn't know who the fuck Lauren London is. 
Because they don't. It's a white. It's it like like in terms of pop culture, black pop culture is often black gossip. That sort of thing is often separated. And so, at his most famous, Bobby Brown is Whitney Houston's husband. That's that's what he's known as. But he's like had a whole like serious career before that. And I want to be clear. I am no Bobby Brown stan, but he appears in so much of the shit that is important to me or that or that is like significant in my culture that I just happen to know a lot about him. So Bobby Brown is best known as a founding member of the new edition of the band New Edition. It's a boy group. They call it a band, whatever. Um, if you believe Bobby Brown, which I don't because he's not a reliable narrator in any ways shape or motherfucking form he is the the person it's his group he, he he started the group and these were kids they were like young fucking kids that started performing in the roxbury pro projects in massachusetts which is i guess is a is a is a part of boston and they started performing in talent shows. They got signed. And then they started, like, touring. Like, they would go to Europe. They would go, like, they, they would, these were kids, like, in middle and high school that would be, like, on a bus somewhere touring and, like, get dropped off at, at high school. To go, which is why when I say Bobby Brown can't read, it's not a read on Bobby Brown. Like Bobby Brown is the definition of a child star. And I don't think Bobby Brown's done much in the way of school. Um, one interesting tidbit is Bobby Brown is one of many children. He grew up in the projects and his family had two apartments next to each other in the projects and they broke through a closet so they could connect the whole, <laughs> so they could have one big apartment. <laughs> It's a little tip. Also, Bobby Brown claims to have fried chicken and cocaine one time because his mother used to sell it. Um, again, I don't know how much of a reliable narrator fucking Bobby Brown is. But he grew up, he's, he's been supporting his family since he was in high school. And New Edition became a really, it was a great selling group. Um, you may not, like Candy Girl, Can You Stand the Rain, What's another song? Like they, they have a lot of like Mr. Telephone Man. They have a lot of very like, they have a lot of like R&B standards that are, that they, that come from them. And probably the most famous thing about New Edition is that Lou Pearlman stole the concept of new edition he saw they were doing really well he really he, he he wanted to have something like that but with white kids and that's where new kids on the block came on they even had new kids in the they call it new kids on the block and so he stole that concept made it really big with new kids on the block right new kids on the block was an entire i remember being like young and like a friend was like one of my mom's like work friends was a white lady and she had a daughter and I used to hang out with her sometimes. And then like her whole room had new addition, had new kids on the block on it. And I was like, what is this? And I remember her like trying to explain to me and I was like, so this is new addition except it's white guys. 
And she was like, what is new edition? I was like, oh, okay. Um, Lou Pearlman hits it big in there. And when he does, when he later does Backstreet, well, it's Backstreet Boys first and then in sync. It is, it's him taking the idea that he had with New Kids on the Block, recreating it, but New Kids on the Block is stolen from the new edition. Um, so in a funny way, that late 90s, early 2000s pop explosion doesn't happen without a Bobby Brown, okay? It would just, and, and like, yeah. Is it, is it technically true? Technically. But Bobby Brown loves quoting this as gospel. He loves being like, they stole from me. And they did. I mean, he's very little Richard in that way, but that's fine. Another significant thing about, um, New Edition is that like, like I said, they were like the biggest, they were such a big group. And what happens is they end up breaking up and breaking up in the smaller, Bobby goes solo first. What He gets kicked out of the group. Uh, Bobby Brown from day one, A1 is out of motherfucking control. Uh, he is, he's a showboat. <laughs> he is on stage, uh, pelvic thrusting young girls faces. <laughs> During, this is during the part where New Edition had to be like very like, um, uh, squeaky clean. So he'd get them in trouble. After the show, you couldn't find Bobby. He'd be like in a pile of cocaine in a car with three women sucking his dick. Like Bobby Brown. <laughs> they famously tell a story about how they were in some city. They couldn't find Bobby. Like there's a show. They cannot find Bobby. Bobby's out here chasing women and doing coke. And they get on the radio and basically go, hey, guys, everybody seen Bobby? Yeah, we have a show. But, you know, we can't find Bobby. <laughs> Can somebody find Bobby? Y'all see Bobby call into the radio. And people did. And that's how they found him. He was really, like, he really wasn't very controllable. And um, I do understand that they were basically using these guys. They didn't really get paid for stuff. They'd be, like. They, you know, they get, they be on the road for a year and get a paycheck for 35 cents and shit. Like, they really, they really screwed them over. But, and they, they treated them like boys when they, when they, when they were becoming men. They didn't let them grow up and shit. I understand that. But they end up voting Bobby out of the group. Because their management said that he would take the group down. So they vote him out of the group. And he... He gets kicked out, goes back to the projects, and he is offered a solo record, like a second chance to do a solo record. And his solo records, um, there's one, I forget, I want to say it's called Popcorn Love or something like that. But he does kind of like a solo record that is very New Edition-like. And the second one he does is where he becomes the Bobby Brown, the My Prerogative, the, the Don't Be Cruel, these types of things. Um... And like, by the time he meets he meets Whitney Houston, he is like incredibly fucking famous. He is topping charts. He can fuck anybody he wants to. I think people feel like Whitney Houston saw him in a ditch one day and brought him into a convertible. Whitney Houston met him at an award show in which he was performing, and she was being booed <laughs> like, because people didn't think she was black enough, <laughs> which is not true about Whitney, but still. And you got to understand that when Whitney and Bobby meet, Whitney's heart has just been broken by Eddie Murphy. 
Whitney Houston is a child star as well. She she understands how family takes advantage of you, like just like Bobby does. When Whitney Houston was at her peak, maybe not even at her peak, there used they used to have a tab, like an account, at a fucking gas station not far from her office, and her relatives would come from near and far to use the gas station underneath her tab, like drive out they fucking way to go over here and get gas and put it on Whitney's tab, like. Whitney has been supporting her family from the beginning. In fact, Whitney's uh, uh, brothers, their last name ain't Houston because they're like half-brothers. But they changed their name to Houston so that they can... <laughs> you know why they did it. Pat Houston's name ain't supposed to be... Isn't Pat Houston, I don't think. Um, which is her sister-in-law. But keep in mind that Whitney Houston is... has uh, By the time she's met Bobby, she has had a long-term relationship with Robin, who is... A very good friend she met in as a as a teenager, right before she got pregnant. I mean, famous, and she was like basically in an on again off again relationship, and then they were friends for a long time. Um, Whitney is definitely no stranger to drugs. Whitney's been doing drugs. She's a teenager. Her brother introduced her to cocaine and later to crack. Um, Robin, the the best friend slash lover, tells a tells a story about how. The last time Whitney went to go get her cocaine herself <laughs> and how, how like Robin and her were getting it and they recognized her from the 17, uh, magazine cover. Like she is, she, uh, Whitney been running the streets for a long time and she is, they called her nippy. Like she is, she is a tomboy. She is, she run these streets of New Jersey. She was born, I believe in Newark, but she, Maybe she's, I think she was born in Patterson and moved to Newark. It's either Newark or moved to Patterson. But either way, she is an around-the-way girl. Whitney, you guys know I love an around-the-way girl. Whitney is an around-the-way girl. And it's evident anytime you see footage of her, including being Bobby Brown, that Whitney is a down-to-earth girl. She is not your Arista Pop princess, okay? Whitney is, you know... In another world, Whitney was Cardi B. You know what I mean? Like, she's a very, like, this is who I am type person. And by the time she's met Bobby, she's into the relationship with Robin, although they are now friends. And Robin is, as Robin's been with her since she was, since before she was famous. And so Robin is an integral part of her life. Uh, she's been dating other guys. She has just gotten her heart broken by Eddie Murphy, um, who at the time was really hot. Guys, I, I really hope you, when I say Eddie Murphy, you don't think the Nutty Professor. I want you to think Eddie Murphy in red leather pants doing Raw on stage. I want you to think Eddie Murphy in uh, another 48 hours, in 48 hours, or in um, Coming to America. Eddie Murphy was so fucking famous, guys, and rich really fucking rich and he really broke Whitney's heart she really he played around with her and um she was in a down place when she when she met Bobby and she was also going through it with her career because she because Whitney was a was a crossover queen all right she grew up during she grew up doing gospel music she she her nickname was the voice and it she did have the voice um she used her voice like a musical instrument but she grew up singing gospel and 
she crossed over to did she start doing pop because you know that's how you make your money you pop and she really crossed over to white audiences Whitney Houston is, is white people famous Whitney Houston everybody knows and because her label um really pushed her into this um I really don't know how to describe it just kind of crossover kind of non-threatening um don't be too black about it kind of way it blew up and and she got to be very famous and very successful but at the same motherfucking time they started her off on like black radio stations and then when she caught fire on white radio stations she was only doing that type of media and the black community i mean not all of us but many many of them felt like whitney thought she was white and so at the time she meets bobby brown she is being booed at the, i believe it's um gosh i forget the name of the award show but she's being booed because people don't think she's black and also whitney can't dance guys whitney never could dance she would try just like mary j blige she would try mary j blige don't give a fuck what you think about her dancing she really fucking does it. She does her thing. But she, so she's not, you know, Whitney Houston wasn't any Paula Abdul. You know what I mean? And so, like, I don't know. People really, people really denied her blackness. There was a backlash from the black community. And keep in mind that at this point, Bobby Brown is so motherfucking famous. He can fuck anybody he wants to. He's dancing in suspenders and bike shorts. And like, go back and watch some Bobby Brown. Go back and watch some. And he could take anybody fucking home he wants to. Bobby Brown was fucking Janet Jackson at one point. And that's what he, again, he's an unreliable narrator, but I fucking believe him. Based on what I know about Janet, I believe him. I don't know if he threw her outside naked with no clothes. I don't know about that. But yeah, I think he, I think he did. So anyway, what am I talking about? Oh, I'm talking about them as a couple. Um, let me go back because... Another reason Bobby Brown is so famous is because when New Edition broke up, New Edition, so Bobby Brown goes solo. New Edition continues. They bring on Johnny Gill. And then they have some issues because Ralph, the main singer, wants to go solo. He does. Guys, if you ever watch a New Edition story, which is a three-part uh, movie on BET, it's it's very Jackson's American uh uh, American Dynasty or whatever the fuck that, that miniseries is called. It's very like that. The person who plays Ralph Tresvant plays McCray on, on Euphoria. And I don't care what he does on Euphoria. Every time I see him, I start singing Ralph Tresvant songs. Because he was so good as Ralph. Anyway, Ralph goes off to do solo stuff. Um, Johnny Gill goes off to do solo stuff. Uh... The three other members, Bell, Biv, DeVoe, form a, a hip-hop rap group. Poison is one of their big songs. You know that fucking song. Um, there's another one. I just remember like being reprimanded by my father as a young child because I was singing Poison. I was singing it, and it was Never Trust a Big Girl. Never Trust a Big Butt and a Smile. But I thought it was Never Trust a Big Butt That Smiles. And I was like, yeah, because it's a trick, because a, a butt don't smile. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how when you're a kid, you just decide shit? That's what I decided. I was like, yeah, definitely a trick. And I remember trying, I was like, 
coloring and singing the song. And my dad was like, excuse you, do not sing that song. And I was like, what? It's my song. At the time, my song was, was Poison. And also Lisa Stanfield, <laughs> Been Around the World. <laughs> Guys, right motherfucking now I can sing that song. And for some reason, we were living in Houston at the, at, I, I lived in Houston briefly as a child. Um, we were living in Houston at the time. And for some reason, when we get by this road that was near the fucking airport where you could see the planes were flying, it was a really long road. It felt like that song always came on. And so the car would be driving pretty fast because the way the road set, it's like you can like pick up speed there. So the car would be driving fast and I would be in the back seat singing my heart out to been around the world, nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't find my baby. <laughs> and, and the other song I used to love the belt out was Poison. And so, <laughs> so anyway, when New Edition broke up, you get Bobby Brown who is like super fucking famous. I mean, he's out here doing shit that New Edition wished they could do. New Edition, part of the reason they broke up was because the label still wanted them to do that doo-wop, pop, pop. They wanted Can You Stand the Rain and stuff. And Bobby Brown's over here doing pelvic thrust saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and so part of the reason they broke up was they wanted to have more of a manly type of thing. So Belle Bivolo comes out with Poison and, and Do Me Baby. Remember that? <laughs> They're coming out with this shit. Um, and... What happens is like like there is a scene of them. I, want, I forget what show it's on. It's not VH1 Soul. It's on MTV, and all the members are on there, but they're in different groups now. And remember, they've grown up as kids. They've been on the road with each other for fucking ever, and so it's friendly but not friendly. And they end up all going on tour together. Um, and I want like I want you to understand how big this was. How this huge fucking group had splinter off into bits and pieces and then they all went on tour together it would have been like if justin timberlake had went solo been the biggest name in the fucking world you know this is back when justin timberlake used to be black you guys remember when justin timberlake used to be black and he used to like he's purposely dancing with a black girl and like i love you do you guys remember that you gotta remember that but let's say justin goes off and does that then JC goes off and does his solo thing and it actually works, okay? And then the other three people in the group go off and be and 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 make a new group that also has like hits. And then they all go on tour together. <laughs> like I, I it's hard to describe, but it was a really fucking big deal. And so by the time all this happens, um, Bobby Brown is a very successful person. And according to him, which I, don't believe, I don't know if I believe it's true, he's an unreliable narrator. Um, he says that at the time of he, meet, he and Whitney get together, he is has more money than Whitney does. And it's because Whitney's gone through a lot of bad investments and a lot of, her father was, was managing her career and all that. And they get together. And he, Bobby says, everybody hates him at that point. Because here he is, this new Jack Swing motherfucker with, with America's pop princess. Do you guys know what New Jack Swing is? New Jack Swing is a style of music created by Teddy Riley. Teddy, Teddy Riley is a huge fucking producer. If you don't remember anything, he is in, he was in that group, no, uh, Black Street, which is no diggity, right? 
that song. If you don't remember that song, no diggity. But anyway, he, he wrote and he made, he was a huge producer, okay? And he came up with this style of music that like had, I put R&B and hip hop together. Now, you when you think of R&B and hip hop, you think of them as kissing cousins, like they're right next to each other, right? But in the 80s, they were not. They were completely, completely fucking separate. And Teddy Wright produced music, and it's also about the instrument, the way he used instruments and stuff. I'm not a musician. I don't, like, don't ask me to explain it. But he made this music that was really hard-hitting beats, R&B sounds, and hip-hop melded together. And my prerogative, prerogative is a type, is an, a big, one of the biggest examples of it. And it's one of the first examples. There are technical other ones, but my prerogative was a huge hit. And at that point, once... Bobby had that hit. Everyone wanted New Jack Swing. Everybody wanted a Teddy Riley record. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis start doing New Jack Swing. Uh, even uh, Babyface, New Jack Swing. Every, like, I'm Your Baby Tonight is considered New Jack Swing. So New Jack Swing becomes this... It dominates R&B charts, Right? If you notice, when you get to uh, my prerogative, and you get to, and you start even Bobby Brown's "On Our Own," which is on the Ghostbusters two soundtrack, was another reason why I'm very interested in Bobby Brown because Ghostbusters is really important to me, and so is Ghostbusters two. And they used to play that fucking video all the time, and I used to love it. Um, you'll notice that Bobby doesn't. Bobby's a singer. Well, uh, we'll get back to that, but Bobby's a singer, quote unquote singer. But you'll notice Bobby starts doing raps in his song sings his songs, choruses, then there's a bridge with a rap in it. Everybody starts doing this. I'm not saying he invented it. I'm just saying that he's that he got great success doing this and it's not it wasn't a thing that people always did. Now you're thinking princess people always do that. That's because you're thinking of late 90s early aughts music in which every pop song had a rap verse on it. You thinking, I'm real with Ja Rule. Ja Rule and Ashanti, everything they ever did together. You're thinking, girlfriend with NSYNC and Nelly on it. You're thinking, when everybody had a rap verse. The reason that ever happened is because New Jack Swing occurred in the late 80s to mid 90s, okay? Supposedly, the time that you can, that you can call New Jack Swing over is Mary J. Blige's Real Love, okay? Suppose, that's according to Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley says a lot of shit. Part of the problem with New Jack Swing is it went mainstream. Teddy Riley started writing for a lot of other people and doing a lot of productions and stuff. And at one point, Teddy Riley was right, was doing beats exclusively for Michael Jackson. Like, you couldn't get a Teddy Riley beat. It was coming from Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson does Remember the Time. And that is, I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't say necessarily say Remember the Time is a New Jack Swing record. I would say it had a lot of elements and, it's, and Michael Jackson is very mainstream and a lot of songs started sounding like that. That whole Dangerous album, okay? And it kind of killed it. But because Bobby Brown is one of the reasons it became like super popular, you can draw a straight line from Bobby Brown to those late 90s, mid uh, aughts or early aughts where people where everything has a rap voice and a rap verse and pop and 
hip hop are, are like kind of melded together along with R&B. This is partly, this is part of his, his influence. Okay. And like, I think I'm talking too nicely about Bobby Brown because he really is a piece of shit, but it burns my biscuits <laughs> to hear people talk about Bobby Brown as if he was just this guy. I don't know, as if he were like some rando that lucked up with Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston wanted to be with him because he was very fucking hot at the time. That's why she wanted to be with him. Bobby is not K-Fed. I mean, he is K-Fed, but he's not fucking K-Fed. Not like, K-Fed didn't have a job. (laughs) Uh, There's a difference here. Now, so, they get together. They have a volatile relationship. Bobby Brown is at, he is slowly making to the height of his addiction. Whitney Houston goes from dabbling to straight up addiction. And if you listen to Bobby Brown, what I say about him, he's an unreliable narrator. He will tell you he he never did coke a day in his life before he saw Whitney Houston, which is a lie. <laughs> a motherfucking lie. And so, and so um, together, they kind of like get to their worst. Um, Whitney's losing weight all the time. Uh, Bobby is a Bobby, okay? Bobby cheats on her all the time. He exercises his authority over her all the time. Um, he's abusive. I, I know he's been arrested for hitting Whitney, but he and Whitney said that was a mistake. I don't believe it. Bobby Brown beats women. There are too many stories of Bobby Brown beating women for me not to believe Bobby Brown beats women. I don't know if Bobby Brown is beating women today, but Bobby Brown ain't got no problem fighting with you and going upside your fucking head. Really not. He don't have a fucking problem at all. Um, They have Bobby Christina, which is... Do you guys remember that video, Something in Common? Like, people used to always be like, what did Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston have in common? And they misunderstand Whitney Houston a lot. Whatever Bobby did, Whitney was doing too. It's the truth. Um, so when when Whitney is doing I'm Every Woman, when Whitney is doing, like, right after she does The Bodyguard, she gets pregnant with Bobby Christina. Um, according to Bobby, and here's the thing. We have to say according to Bobby a lot because Bobby's the only one still alive. I would love for Whitney to be here. But Bobby's the one, he's the only one left. So according to Bobby, Whitney on the set of The Bodyguard faked a pregnancy and then really became pregnant with Bobby Christina. And, you know, as they get into the drug stuff, like, you know, Bobby Christina is kind of a feral child. She's, she, she's got people watching her and stuff, but she's not really around her parents and everything. And she's kind of grown up on her own. Um, and... You know, there's a lot of, like, shit going on. Bobby Brown had a heart attack and almost died. And according to him, he was cooking crack in the kitchen for he and Whitney. And he had a heart attack in the middle of it. And the way he tells it, Whitney came as he was on the ground writhing, came and took the crack and went to go smoke it because she thought he was joking. 
And if you watch the Bobby Brown's, uh, one of Bobby Brown's like movies, I think it's the one on Lifetime that he did that was horrendous. Uh, the scene is Whitney Houston getting the crack and moonwalking out the room while Bobby Brown dies on the ground. <laughs> I remember I was watching it because, you know, this, listen, I'm always willing to listen to these stories. But my husband goes, what is this? And I was like, um, I think it's called, the, I believe it might have been called the Whitney Houston story, actually. <laughs> and, and my husband goes, who is this from, Whitney Houston? I was like, Whitney Houston and just, just moonwalked out the bathroom, out the room with crack. Do you think it's from her side of the story? <laughs> um, Bobby Brown also went to jail a lot for... He'd crash a car. He'd have drugs. He'd have, I mean, he was going to jail every fucking five minutes. Fighting Whitney. Uh, child support was a big one. Ch I'm going to talk about his kids. Like, I've been talking for like an hour and 12 minutes and not all of it about Bobby Brown. But I just want to like, it's, I want to establish where we're at when we start being Bobby Brown. He's going to jail a lot. And uh, he describes it as he would go in jail and he would get like, a good amount of time sober and come out and Whitney would have coke in the in the limo when she picked him up. Um, he also thought she was cheating on him a lot. He She had dealers that were coming around and stuff. And he also believes she had sex with Robin while they were married. Robin disputes this. Um, uh, that She says there was emotionally, there was still an emotional friendship there and Bobby always hated it. Like in Bobby's movie, he he Robin is pictured as some predatory lesbian, that some evil predatory lesbian. You should like at one point she's eating food that he made for Whitney, and he tells her she has to stop. And the way she looks at him is like, yes, boo. And she's it's like I was like, wow, you guys, whatever. And so like, um, yeah, and like so as we get to. When Being Bobby Brown starts, Being Bobby Brown, it was pitched to him right after he got out of prison, or it either was pitched to him right before he got into prison. He went to prison, and he just started doing where it came out. And Bobby says that he never wanted Whitney on the show. He wanted to do something by himself, which I believe he he didn't want Whitney on the show. But I also believe he probably couldn't have got the show without Whitney. I mean, listen, uh, Bobby Brown was 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 like. You know, he was known as always going to jail. He was like kind of a train wreck, and so yeah, like I do think people wanted. I think people, I do think people were like, let's let's follow Bobby Brown for a while. But if he thought they were gonna follow Bobby Brown and never see a Whitney Houston, I don't think like I don't think anybody thought that except for him. And his brother Tommy, who's his manager, talked about how uh, they would they really try not to keep Whitney on the show very often. Um, that her office which was her father, her managers, her everything, like all these different people would get advanced like footage of each show and had the opportunity to be like, I don't want that in, I don't want that. And they just let the show, like Whitney looks bad in this. But I also want to remind you that because I've been watching old episodes of Real Housewives, remember there was a time when someone said reality and we thought they really meant reality. We really thought they meant like, just open the door and what you're normally wearing. And that would never happen. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, I don't care what time you said call time was, they're going to be in full fucking glam. 
they're gonna be and that also changes i mean that's something to do with the fact of what we look at now like instagram face right nobody looks like they used to in in like the early aughts anymore nobody just shows up somewhere in a fucking tracksuit no makeup and hair while no one does that and part of that is because of reality tv and it's part of and other influences and they and they feed off each other but she doesn't look great because she's just like in whatever the fuck she was gonna wear anyway she's definitely skinny and because she was she, listen she wasn't taking care of herself that's all it was she was in this toxic relationship with this man and abusing her body with drugs, also working all the time. Everybody needed Whitney to work. Her father needed her to work. You know her father sued her? Because she fired him as a manager? Her mother needed her to work. All the people that was getting gas needed her to work. She support, at this point, Bobby hasn't made music in a long time. Um, He's gone on tour with, uh, 2005, he's gone on tour with New Edition. He's gone on his own tours. And that is how you make money in his, like, that's the way you make the money is you've got to go on tour. I get that. I understand that. However, like, Whitney's really, she's, everything that's paid for here is really coming out of Whitney's pocket. Um... Keep in mind, Bobby's also used to taking care of his family. He's still got to take care of his family on Whitney's money. And Bobby has four kids. Three of which are not Whitney's. That all comes from Whitney. Whitney has got to be on the show. Her brothers all have, like, jobs where she is. And they're, like, you know, I've seen a couple Whitney documentaries. And I've read a bunch of, I've read a lot of books and everything. And the common belief or the com the common knowledge is that when Whitney would go on tour, her brothers would bring drugs. Her brothers were really bad drug addicts as well. Even if you tried to keep Whitney from drugs, they would be smuggling it. Um, the bodyguard that worked with her, that really had a relationship with her, that was very close to the movie The Bodyguard, and a lot of the stuff they wrote was like based on like him. He wrote this letter to Whitney's management or whatever about the tour they've been on in Asia, I think, or maybe Europe, in which background dancers and, uh, like, like members of the bands and stuff would smuggle drugs in, like, in, in, I believe he said, in their body cavity, some of them, to, to these other countries so that Whitney could have the drugs when she got there. They were feed no one, as long as she got on stage and made the money, everybody was fine with it. Like, at this point, Whitney is... Like, just look at her on the fucking show. Um, anything else? Any other background I want to talk about before we get into the show about Whitney and Bobby? I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, I'm going to talk about some other things as we talk about the show, but I just want to, like, give you background there. It pains me when people act as if Bobby Brown K-fetted his way to Whitney Houston. When it was the, the other way, like... I'm not going to say the other way around. But at the time, they were equally famous. <laughs> and he was famous in a way she wanted to be famous. She He had street cred. And Whitney is an around-the-way girl. And it hurt her a lot to have people, I don't know, criticizing her for being too white and for not, like, being black enough and not doing... Like, it really hurt her. And... There are times, Whitney's done interviews where she's talked about, oh, that didn't really hurt me. That's not true. 
That's not fucking true. Hey, she, she she made a choice with Bobby Brown. Um, do I think she loved Bobby Brown? Yeah. Watch the fucking show. She loved fucking Bobby Brown. He loved her too. They are, they were a toxic twosome that wanted each other. I don't think you could have gotten them away from each other. But there's a nuance to it. You know what I mean? Like, I think people really want it to be that Bobby Brown was this evil guy who showed up and shoveled and, like, forced Whitney to smoke crack and did, like, but that's not true. Like, he did a lot of terrible things. All his act, like, like I hold him equally responsible for not taking care of Bobby Christina. It's not just Whitney who didn't see her for weeks on end. Bobby in his books talks about how they would put towels under, they had special filtration sy- systems so that the baby wouldn't get the crack smoke in her. Like, come on. And they're holed up in this room smoking crack for weeks at a time, only going outside to get the drugs because he had a drug dealer that would drop it at the mailbox. And typical of like a certain style of celebrities, particularly black celebrities, they only had family around them. So like Bobby would be taking care of uh, a sister-in-law or a cousin or, you know what I mean? And they're the one taking her to school and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm like... And, you know, they kind of wave at her sometimes. They weren't good parents. They weren't. Um, yeah, uh, so I think that's all I want to say about the two. Like, uh, if, if I will go to my grave explaining this to people, Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston were cut from the same cloth. Not perfectly cut from the same cloth not saying that they were the exact same person but they went together they're like bobby brown whitney houston saw something she wanted out of bobby she loved bobby um i will say this let me just some important pieces of media to consume if you want like my favorite pieces of media to consume that talks about whitney and bobby um, I love BET's miniseries, The New Edition Story. It is so fucking good. Um, I sometimes, it's on Paramount Plus. I sometimes just queue up the last, cause it ends as the guys are, cause the guys break up and it, all these terrible things happen to them. All these fucking things happen. And, um, they get back to, they start speaking to each other again at DeVoe, at Ronnie DeVoe's wedding to Shamari DeVoe who was on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I'll say this again. I've said it before. One of the things that really fucking... Like, Shamari is fine. I think she could have had another season or two of Housewives and she would have, like, gotten into her group. But one of the things that really annoyed me when she got on the show is how white the blogger, the Bravo blogosphere is. And I'm talking about podcasts, too. And how they would just be like, who is this? And I'm like... If you don't know who this is, but you know his songs, <laughs> like he is literally <laughs> his name, his name is in Cool It Now, <laughs> and then and maybe you don't know that's what it's called. But if I start playing it for you, be like, oh, I know that fucking song. His name is in there because he's in the fucking group. He's on Candy Girl. He wasn't a great singer, so he was more of a dancer. And his uncle was the manager, and that's how he got in the group. But still. He is an incredibly influential to uh, 
to black music. <laughs> he, <laughs> they, uh, uh, Belle Biv DeVoe actually broke up right before they were going to, they were going to release a new album that was basically about weed. It's so they call it something really stupid, like Fooly Wang. They call it something stupid. And, and they were going to, and the, and the, and the, uh, record label shelved it because they said it was inappropriate. Like no one was going to buy it. This is too wild. I mean, keep in mind, Poison is not, <laughs> it's not a kid friendly hit, but they shelved that album. And immediately after Dr. Dre's Chronic comes out, <laughs> which is about weed. <laughs> but anyway, 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 it's a funny tidbit. It really annoyed me as I listened to like these, these like white podcasters being like, what, <laughs> who is this person? I'm like, first of all, he's a known figure in black music. I'm not saying he's relevant today, but I'm saying he's a known figure in black music. And also he's in Atlanta and Atlanta loves Atlanta celebrities and DeVoe goes places in Atlanta. People fucking know him. Okay. <laughs> they Atlanta bitches stick together. Okay. <laughs> so All I'm saying is that like, so it was really fucking annoying to me. Anyway, when Shamari marries DeVoe, that, is where the the group gets back together they go back on the road they do a bunch of stuff and they do a BET awards like tribute to themselves and kind of like and sometimes I will fast forward to the end of that fucking miniseries so I can watch them do it because it also it does flashbacks from when I mean, these are characters not the actual people flashbacks from when they were kids when they got together when they first sang Candy Girl and Ralph got up there with his high ass voice and like blew it out the fucking water and being on the road and fights they had and and like it does these flashbacks and also reenacts that moment that was a big moment because they did new edition and then because Bobby left the group early uh earlier in the thing he comes out to do Mr. Telephone Man which is okay which is a part where he used to get to like really get to be solo in there and then he does my prerogative and they all join him and it's <laughs> yes they're old black guys at this point but it's such a triumphant moment like it's such a movie moment especially with all those flashbacks in there of them like going to like to saying they want to be in a talent show bobby bringing um them over to meet ralph who's doing fucking karate in the projects <laughs> Even that video, if it isn't love, like they recreated that, like it's really good. It's really, it's 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 definitely a thing that I will. That if I'm at home alone, I will turn on and watch. And thank God my ring cameras are off when the alarm system is off because I don't want nobody to see me sliding across this floor to if it isn't love trying to do the thing. Okay, I don't want to. Nobody needs to see that. So I tell you to watch a new edition story. It's on Paranaut Plus. One of the interesting things about the new edition story is that they got all the guys together and really just had them go over stories together and argue about things and stuff. And writers took from that to make, because I mean, it's, it's five perspectives. And even more than that, when you think about the main character, other main characters in it. But BET also did the Bobby Brown story. And they got the, the, the guy who played... Bobby Brown in the new edition story to go and do the, it's really fucking interesting. Um, 
I would tell you to watch that too. I tell you to take it with a grain of salt. It's based on Bobby Brown's book. And Bobby Brown is not a reliable narrator. Bobby Brown says he had sex with a ghost. A white woman ghost. He wanted to make sure he let us know. <laughs> Bobby Brown says a lot of things, okay? <laughs> he tells this story about how he was fucking high as fuck on a tour bus. And Whitney, when he was on tour, which is how, like, again, that's how, that's how artists make their money. Um, in terms of, like, what streaming pays you, what what you make off of record deals, what sales pays you. The, where you're going to make all your fucking money is going on the road. So Bobby's on the road, and he's still performing. And Whitney is very jealous. Whitney goes wherever he goes. She just shows up places. He don't want her to go. He wanted to leave because he wanted to cheat on her and everything. <laughs> so, But he's high as fuck. And he ends up, like, kind of have a delusional episode and like has a gun and he makes the he makes the tour bus stop and he runs they're like in a fucking rural area he runs through like these cornfields and shit and they're all chasing him Whitney's chasing him and shit cuz he's got a gun he's running around and they end up arguing like in this like in front of this house and this guy comes out recognizes Whitney Houston and still tries to shoot them <laughs> it reminds me you guys remember I did that Braxton's episode with Kara just because I want to talk about the Braxton's for a while. And um, I used to watch that show religiously. And in the first season, they go back to this little tiny house they grew up in. And they sing. The, Tony Braxton and her sister sing because they grew up singing in the church choir. Their mother would, like, direct them and stuff. And they famously said that they learned that they could sing together when Tamar, the youngest Tamar Braxton, was on the toilet and started singing, Somebody Get Me the Toilet Paper. Because she noticed there was no more toilet paper. And she starts singing. And one by one, everyone in the house and other places start, like, like harmonizing with her. Somebody get me the toilet paper. And they realize how good they sounded. And it's part of, like, what started them singing together all the time. But anyway, they wanted to stand on this porch, on this stoop of this house and, like, sing these gospel songs. And... But it belongs to somebody else lives there. <laughs> they don't want them. And they're like, oh, these motherfuckers are on my porch, blah, blah, blah. And what we hear is someone go, Tony Braxton's trespassing. <laughs> and Tony's like, wait the fuck is that kid? Uh, wait a minute. I'm the only name here, you know, at this point. People know who Tamar is, but they don't really know. Because Tamar, Tamar's uh, real music career happened after that reality TV show. Tamar was in her 30s. She was married to Vince. Vince was uh, managing Lady Gaga and like all these different, like Tamar Braxton is doing background vocals on Lady Gaga, some Lady Gaga sounds, songs. Anyway, she doesn't get to be like, she doesn't get the music career she always wanted until after this comes out and people are like, and you know, she, she's, she's the one that was saying the bomb.com or no way, Jose Tracy way or whatever the shit she used to say on there. And that really made her popular and, and stuff like that. But they don't know who Tamar Braxton is. And they certainly don't know who fucking Tawanda Braxton is. They don't know who these people. The person goes. Basically, they call the police on, on Tony Braxton. And Tony Braxton's like, bitch, I didn't even want to come. But that's what I'm thinking of when I think of that. It's like Whitney Houston chasing Bobby Brown. He's high off his fucking ass. And this person has a shotgun and is like, I'm about to shoot Whitney Houston. And she's. And can you imagine if he actually did? You imagine the fucking headlines? Whitney Houston dies in a gunshot victim and in a rural farm in fucking Georgia. Like Jesus. Um, 
Anyway, hour and a half into this. Let me, let me talk about the episode. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot. So, New Edition Story, the Bobby Brown Story. These are both from BET. They're on Paramount+. Plus. You can stream them right now. They are good. If you liked that long-ass miniseries about the Jacksons, which we all watched at the same time, because this is before you could stream shit. It just came on ABC for, like, five nights in a row, whatever. <laughs> we all watched it. It was... And regardless, like, this is, like, obviously I don't, I avoid music made by Michael Jackson. I avoid paying for it uh, for moral reasons. But if this came on today, I would sit down and watch it because it is such a compelling story. It almost feels like it's not about them. It almost feels like it's a fictional movie. Angela Bassett's in it. Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Um... When Angela Bassett finds out that Joe Jackson is cheating on her and because she went to get ice cream, he wanted her to buy some ice cream. So she go get the ice cream. She come back and she picks up the phone. And he's on the extension. You know, this back when, when, when you had to talk on the house phone. And if you had an extension, if you had different phones, you could pick it up and listen to people. Snitches everywhere. Snitched on you every fucking time, okay? So she gets on and he's talking to some woman he's fucking. And she ends up going there and beating him with that fucking ice cream. And... I believe it's Lawrence Fishburne because it felt like a remake of fucking um, of What's Love Got to Do It because Lawrence Fishburne is Ike and, and Angela Bassett is Tina Turner. Anyway, and she does this thing. She's like, I don't want you no more. I don't want you no more, no more, no more. Like she, <laughs> I'm doing it badly. But this scene, it's very good. And I just enjoyed it. Um, but those, those miniseries remind me of that. Another thing... I would tell you to listen to is a song for you, which is the book that Whitney's ex-lover and friend Robin wrote. And I just want to make sure I get her name correctly. And it's not all about Whitney Houston. It's like, it's, it's, it's good guys. Uh, um, her name is Robin Crawford. Uh, and it's Robin with a Y and as I always say, Bobby Brown's not a reliable narrator, but Robin has no reason to corroborate some of the stuff that Bobby says, and she does. And often I believe things when the two of them get it right, because the fact is they were antagonistic to each other for most of the time. Robin worked within Whitney's company. Robin was really in charge of promotions and she was, she like was an integral part. And also as Whitney's going off the, the rails, like everyone knows Robin's the one I can talk to. Everyone knows that Robin needs her and things like that. Um, Robin tells a story about how Whitney disappeared in some place like Michigan or some shit. Uh, she shows up on tour and, and Bobby's got another woman in the room next door and everybody knows the dancers know the, everybody fucking knows. And everybody's, everybody's like, Oh, she's so stupid. She's Khloe Kardashian. And it was like, and just like a breakdown happened. And like, also she's angry at Robin. Robin describes Whitney in a way that I prefer. Cause people think Whitney is this wonderful angel she they think she's they think she's the per they think preacher's wife Whitney Houston is Whitney Houston and she absolutely is not that she's a human being or was a human being and Robin describes her good bad and ugly um she was physically abusive to Robin 
there are stories of her hitting Robin. Um, also, she's married to Bobby at this point, or at least dating Bobby. And Robin, they have a day off on Whitney's tour. And one of the dancers asked Robin to like, does she want to go like do something? And Robin's like, yeah, we got a day off. We can go. And Whitney fires the dancer. Oh, Whitney slaps Robin. It's either Robin or the dancer. She slaps somebody when they come back in front of Whitney's mother. Who Whitney's mother hates Robin because she wants her daughter to be gay. And um, even Whitney's mama was like, Robin, you cannot. I think Whitney hits Robin in front, like slaps the fuck out of her. And it, for no reason at all. Like, I believe Robin's story. I believe she doesn't have a reason. Like, like there were many times at the height of what was going on with Whitney and then her death that people would have paid a lot of money for this fucking story. A lot of money. And she didn't tell it. And like I said, when her and Bobby agree, I am inclined to believe that's the truth because there is no reason for them to agree they don't like each other. Not really. Bobby says he never had any hard feelings with Robin. Then why did you cast her as a predatory uh, lesbian sneaking around trying to get pussy? Why did you do that? Because she doesn't seem to come off like that. Um, so a song for you, Robin Crawford. I'd even listen to it. It's, it's good. I also, what's the, read Bobby Brown's. You know what? <laughs> It's called um, Every Little Step. And I'm not going to tell you to read it. I'm going to tell you to listen to it. And did I tell you guys that listening to it was excruciating? Yes, it is. Because I don't believe Bobby Brown has ever read a thing in his fucking life until you went to go read this book. That said, it's important to hear it in Bobby's voice. Like, there are lots of audiobooks that I'm like, dude, get a professional to read this. It, but, like, when I talk about a Mariah Carey, like I wouldn't, if it wasn't Mariah Carey, I would fucking know. I expect to hear Mariah Carey's voice. And this is Bobby Brown's voice. He just can't read. That said, the book is good. Should you believe everything in the book? No, you should not. No, you should not. Bobby Brown is an unreliable narrator. That said, it's good. And if you listen to A Song For You and Bobby Brown's book, uh, you can be able to piece together the truth. Those are some... It, from additional reading, additional content uh, con uh, consumption that you should do in addition to this podcast. That's a hundred. That's an hour and thirty-seven minutes long. We have not talked about the goddamn episode. Let's do that. I watched uh, Being Bobby Brown. Um, I watched season one, episode one. It's called The Brown Family Vacation. Being Bobby Brown was thirty minutes long on Bravo. It started. It came out in two thousand five. It had eleven episodes, season one, and that's it. It was never released for DVD. So, like, it's really hard to fucking find. So, it's obviously not streaming. Um, it's on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. But, I mean, you guys know I hate watching things on YouTube because closed captioning doesn't always work because it's ripped from something else. Um, I don't know. I just feel it, 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 it feels too old to be watching shit on YouTube. That's all. I feel too old to be doing that. Um, so, it came out in June 2005. 11 episodes and that's it. Um... We start, like, there's a cold open. Like, when I started watching this, I was like, what the fuck is this? We started Bobby Brown talking to some white men about how they're from Atlanta and has they ever met Bobby Brown? They'd be like, no, I've heard of him. And he's like, why haven't you met Bobby Brown? And he's like, I don't know. I just don't know him. And, and he's like, well, ha-ha, you met Bobby Brown now. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is one of the most insecure men, on the, men in, the, in the fucking world. This is 
Bobby Brown has been 2005. Let me see when they got married. They got married in 1992. So in 2005, they've been married for 13 years. They only last another two years, by the way, just so you know. Um, they did get divorced before Whitney died. Whitney at the time was fucking Ray J. Like Ray J is the Forrest Gump of pop music. Ray J, do you guys know that it's possible Ray J started the East Coast, West Coast <laughs> feud, hip hop rap feud? <laughs> you guys know that? That he told somebody that, cause you know Ray J was running around doing shit. And he told somebody he saw Faith, Biggie's wife, fucking Tupac. <laughs> it started that fucking rumor. Ray J is the reason Kim Kardashian is famous. <laughs> I think Ray J told um, Brandy to throw that book that knocked out Batman's eyes. Well, hold on. What, which one was it? It wasn't Batman. Hold on a second. Hold on one second. Brandy threw a Jehovah's Witness <laughs> watchtower. God, Google's like, bitch, what? <laughs> at this boy in I think it was immature I think it was uh, uh, hold on hold on hold on hold on <laughs> Romeo told Nick Cannon that Ray J's sister Brandy is it rude Ray J's sister <laughs> Randy how far are we fucking fallen baby <laughs> Uh, Jerome Romeo okay <laughs> yeah and immature if you don't know who that is look that shit up but the one that would have unpatched Brandy threw a Jehovah's Witness watchtower at him and busted out his eye and that, that he his eye don't work no more but I believe Ray J told her to do it and I also believe Ray J was the one driving when Brandy killed that lady in the car and they just switched seats I don't know why I'm saying that he wasn't even in the car but I feel like he did it <laughs> Ray J is the Forrest Gump of fucking Anyway, Ray J was there when Whitney died. Ray J was there. They were like partying and shit in another room while after she'd been found dead. Um, so <laughs> Scooby Bikes, <laughs> Ray J. <sighs> okay, all right. Anyway. So, she, she, Whitney had moved on, but they, even though they were divorced, and even though Whitney was doing interviews about Bobby Brown being, like, abusive and stuff, and he fucking was, when they came back from their honeymoon, Whitney had a black eye, and Bobby claims that he was doing something and, and swinging a belt. He said it's some dumb story, but I, I do not believe him. But they were still back and forth with each other. Bobby says he left Whitney, and I actually believe that for some reason. I don't think Whitney would have left him. I feel like Whitney was there. there were, so many things were wrong with her at that point. I think that she would have just kept doing it. And he says that she would, like, call him a lot and, like, say, does he want to see Bobby Christina? And then, like, show up, and it was just her. And, like, maybe. I, I, I can, It's believable. I don't think it... 
takes away all the terrible things he's done. You know what I mean? Yeah, she. I'm sure she acted erratic. I'm sure she acted jealous. Robin says she did the same fucking thing to her. Um, like, yeah. And, but it doesn't change the fact that I think Bobby Brown's like a bad person. You know what I mean? Why am I talking about that? Oh, okay. So by the time, like, this is, this is, by the time they're doing this, they've been married 13 years. And he's been Whitney Houston's husband for a long time. A long time. That's how they call him in the press. He's Whitney Houston's husband. Um, and so he's like, but he's like so insecure. He's, he has to go over here and do this gotcha on these people about whether they know Bobby Brown. And then he goes, well, I'm not in an orange suit. That's maybe why you don't recognize me. And then he does his hands in the handcuffs and goes, you recognize me now? I'm like, Bobby, what the fuck? <laughs> And that's the fucking cold opening. When that's done, they do like an intro. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, they do like kind of like a montage of Bobby Brown being famous. And then they slide in the media coverage of inmate Bobby Brown, how he's arrested all the time. And this show starts, he's 30 days out of jail. I mean, he just got out of jail for 30 days. And what? Um, he was in jail in Atlanta for 30 days. And I believe that was... That might have been or hitting Whitney. And then as soon as he gets out of jail in Atlanta, he gets sent to jail for 30 days in Massachusetts because of child support. Bobby Brown has four children at this time. He's got seven total now. He's got three with his current wife and he had four previous. Two of his children are dead. I don't know how to survive the death of a child. I just don't. But two of the children are dead and they're both from drugs. Um... Also, Bobby Brown's had so much, like, uh, death in his life. Like, as a child, he was, like, riding bikes with someone. His grandma had just died. He was riding bikes with a kid, and they got into a fight, and uh, he killed the, the, the little boy they were fighting with, killed his friend. He died in his arms. I think he shot him. Um, he's also, this is while he was grown and famous, he was famously in a drive-by shooting outside of a club in Boston with his sister's fiance and they shot up the car and the fiance died. Two of his kids died, like I said, both from drugs. Um, I believe Whitney Houston was the love of his life, even though he claims he left her. I believe she was the love of his life and I think the day that she died was like horrific for him. Uh, like two things can be true at once, that like they had a terrible relationship and he physically and financially abused her. Um, and also that was a love of his fucking life. And the earth shook when she died. Yeah. Um, one thing you guys famously know that, that Bobby Brown was turned, not, he was not turned away from Whitney's funeral. What happened is that he came to his funeral with his kids and they had told him he could not sit with the family. He had to sit with like, I don't know, some business associates, which is stupid. Like, that was their stepmother. Like, Whitney really took, she she brought them kids out all the time. Um, And Robin had gotten a seat. Like, I don't know, Robin, they were trying to make him move. And Robin had, like, gone up there to say, you know, don't make him move. Make Let him sit here, blah, blah, blah. And eventually what they did was they told Bobby he could sit with the family. But his quote-unquote entourage 
had to go sit in the back. They're talking about his children. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, they, I don't know. It's, it's so fucking rude. Like, we're at a fucking funeral. She's gone, guys. Oh, Bobby also tells this story about when his mother died. Um, he's with a new woman by this point. It's the same woman he's, he's married to now and he has all the kids, three kids with. Um, when he comes to the funeral. Because that was her mother-in-law. She comes to the funeral. And she stands up there and she sings. Whitney, that girl was marinated in gospel. That girl, Whitney was a believer. And, and like she sang gospel like she was a fucking believer. And she gets up on that fucking... She gets to that podium and she does like kind of like a, that was my mother-in-law. That she, like, she does this like kind of like little speech and then she sings and just beautiful. And Bobby implies that the reason she did that was to like intimidate his new girlfriend or whatever. And maybe that's true. It doesn't take away from the fact that like how special that is. That Whitney, like guys, when I... Whitney Houston was such a talent, but you know what I think about? I think about when she's at that award show and she wins an award and it's Bobby Christina's birthday and she sings happy birthday to Bobby Christina. Imagine Whitney Houston's your mother and she's singing happy birthday to you. And then she tells her like, go to bed or something like that. I don't know, but it's, it's, even throughout this show, you see Whitney singing and dancing like out of nowhere. And I, there is, I wish, like, there's a part of me that was like, oh, I wish I just was, like, hanging out the house while she's just, like, singing in the kitchen. Because Whitney loved to fucking sing. Later, Bobby says something about what her priorities are, and I'll get to it when I get to it. But Whitney, the singing was the thing that she wanted. Anyway, um, Bobby has four kids. Bobby... So his first kid's name is Landon. He had him, Bobby was 17 and on the road with New Edition when he got that girl pregnant and, his, and she lived in LA. Um, his name is Landon because Bobby famously said that he was landing on a plane when he found out that Landon was being born. Also like him getting that girl pregnant and her having the baby was another part of why they were like, he's not good for the group. He's out here making babies and stuff. Meanwhile, Ralph Trez Vance's girlfriend was pregnant too. She just had, she had a miscarriage. But like, Landon is part of what, when they were like, he's got to get out the group. That's part of it. So Landon lives in LA, has always lived in LA with his mother. Um, his step, she ends up marrying um, Carl Anthony Payne II. And you guys probably don't remember that name, but if you saw a picture of him, you'd be like, I know who that is. Um, he played Theo's best friend, Cockroach, on The Cosby Show and was famously fired because he wouldn't cut his hair. Because um, that was back when Bill Cosby was just like notorious for respectability theater <laughs> and while being very unrespectable behind the scenes. Um, but I think his famous, his most famous role is Cole, on Martin for five years from 92 to 97. And he's also been, I mean, these days he's in, he's in all the Hallmark movies, the black Hallmark movies, movies, Tyler Perry. He's done a lot of shit. He was on girlfriends. He was on the game for a while. Like, um, he is black famous as well. And, and not only is he only black famous, he's black famous. I don't know your name, but I definitely know who the fuck you are. 
You know what I mean? So when we talk about Landon, I think what people mistake is that they, they feel like Landon was off living, like, I don't know, in the projects of L.A., and he wasn't. I'm not saying, like, he, like, he didn't grow up Whitney Houston rich by any means. Whitney Houston's money dwarfed any like anybody in that in that circle. But Landon also is separate from the other kids and what he was able to do and what he wasn't able to do. And um, he's an L.A. kid. And he, I wouldn't say he's used to being around famous people, but keep in mind that, like, he was going to Nickelodeon red carpets. You know what I mean? You know how like they'll they'll ask like a a sitcom star, they'll let them bring their kid to the opening of the SpongeBob. <laughs> I mean, not in '97, but you know what I'm saying. Like maybe the Rugrats movie or something like that. He would be invited to something like that. he did get to to live. Certainly not a Whitney Houston privileged life. He was never on Bobby Christina's privilege level, but certainly more than what I had. You know what I mean? Um, so second is La Princia, whose Boston accent kills me. So good. Um, he, she and Bobby Jr. are same mother. Um, interesting to remember is that Bobby Jr. was conceived when he was engaged to Whitney Houston. And he went to go tell La Princia's mother that he was engaged. And they weren't going to be doing the on and off shit all the time. Now, uh... I believe it's Robin that's that tells the story of them like this is when she was first like gonna date Bobby Brown and La Princia's mother and the baby here at the at a show and he's like backstage and he's gonna go he's got Whitney in his room he's gonna talk to her but he's out there fighting with La Princia's mother and basically like I mean I don't remember if Robin said he was beating on her, but the impression was that he was being physical with her. And that she said, she told Whitney, if you think he won't do it to you, think again. He'll, if he do it to me, he'll do it to you. Which I think came true. But anyway, he's, he's like, he and Whitney are engaged. They're gonna, they're gonna, uh, oh God. Robin tells a story about how the ring that Bobby Brown gave her for an engagement ring was appraised at much less than a ring that Eddie Murphy gave her for no fucking reason. Just was like, hey, have a ring, bitch. <laughs> and that she quietly stopped wearing the Eddie Murphy ring because it was just like so much more expensive and like, you know, all this stuff. Um, so when he goes to tell Blue Princess, like, go, like, you can't call her. You got to go visit her. He goes there, he sleeps with her and he, and he makes Bobby Brown drink. And Whitney takes it in stride. She, according to everybody, she's not that mad. And this leads to a lot of people thinking that she married Bobby, like not loving him and not caring that much about him, but just like to do something to like, to like to get over Eddie Murphy. And I just don't know if that's all true. Whitney had had a, not, a lot of not so great relationships. She famously uh, was sleeping with Jermaine Jackson when she was a teenager. Um... I don't know if famously is the right word, but while she was like doing her first, like she worked on his album and stuff. She was a teen, she was a literal teenager. She was sleeping with Jermaine Jackson who was married. Um, let me rephrase that. Cause that's not the way I want to phrase it. She was a literal teenager sent to work for Jermaine Jackson in the music theater, in the music um, studio. And he started a relationship with a sexual relationship with her while he was married and she was a teenager. 
Like, she just doesn't have, like, a lot of a big track record with men. And I don't know if that has something to do with the fact of her, that's why she accepted Bobby cheating on her like that so easily. I'm not sure. Um, from what I understand, LaPrince and Bobby Jr. lived a pretty quiet life. Uh, they are the reason. Ooh, I don't want to phrase that either. They are the children that Bobby Brown did not pay child support on and he kept going to jail for. It's them. I don't know. I don't think it's Landon's mother that is has him on a formal child support agreement. Um, Bobby will tell you that the reason he kept going to jail for child support is because uh, his money was being handled alongside Whitney's money and they weren't sending the checks. I don't believe that. One, I don't believe your money was being handled along. I think they separated that shit. And two, even if they didn't, the first time that someone called you and told you that your child support was late, you mean you just kept it going? I don't believe that. That, that sounds like a fucking lie. Um, so those are his three older kids, and he's got Bobby Christina, who's treated like an only child for a lot of things. Um, they Everyone talks about how Bobby Christina was kept away from the other children. Like, they would come visit, but for the most part, they would kind of keep Bobby Christina off to the side and keep, like, you know, LaPrincia and Bobby Jr. would be, would be, you know, playing in the pool, and they'd send Bobby Chris somewhere else to play. And Landon only came every now and then. Landon was all the way in fucking California. So... When we see them on the screen, LaPrince is an early teenager. Bobby Jr. is like 10-ish. It's tough to hear Bobby talk about how Bobby Jr. is his legacy and will live on through him knowing that Bobby Jr. is dead. Um, and Bobby Brown is still alive. Bobby Brown is like, as they're, they won't, I think they only get a night together. I mean, well, what he says is that when he was on his way to jail, when he was on, he was on his way to Massachusetts when he got locked up. And that, basically that's what he says. And I don't know why he said that because it appears, it sounds like he's trying to say, well, I was going to go spend time with him. And I don't know, like, being around in your children's lives to guide them and care for them is separate from financially supporting them. And you are married to an incredibly famous woman with lots of money. And for you not to pay your child support is even more egregious because their mother is not famous and their mother doesn't have access to all that fucking money and if you want them to have a good life you do not show up with new shoes and new clothes for them and take them to the Bahamas instead you make sure that they have the resources they need in their everyday life and that means paying your child support so that their mother can pay for things but like I guess he's only there for like a day or two they go bowling and everything and um he's holding Bobby Jr. who's kind of crying like to his shoulder to his chest and he's kissing him in a way that a lot of men will not kiss a son. Do you know what I'm talking about? How like men can be hesitant to be that soft and loving with their boys, you know? But he's got him in his chest and you can see Bobby Brown doesn't want him to leave and everything and he's like talking to him and saying he loves him and he's saying that like, don't worry about anything because his father's got him and there's nobody he says there's nobody like us there's nobody like us because they have the same name and he's making him say his name and he got his middle he says his middle name wrong and bobby corrects him and and i don't know it's a tough watch for me um knowing that little boy's gone and he didn't die when his little boy he was grown but he died of a drug overdose 
Um, what's Bobby Brown like as a father? I don't think Bobby Brown is a present father, but I, it seems like he's an affectionate father and that he's somebody who likes to have fun and stuff. And I bet you though, it's plenty of nights you wake up and you're in the shit and the, the fucking picture frames are funny on the house and there's glass on the floor and some shit that went down that kind of father. And he'll make a joke at breakfast while he's making you bacon about what happened to the fucking picture frames. Um, he doesn't seem like, he doesn't seem like a bad father to have, but he also seems like he made, he, like his life is so messy that it spills over into yours. Just like by the fact that he can't pay his child support when he has access to all this fucking money. He, uh, he in jail for 30 days. He's supposed to fucking come see you. You know what I mean? And he has an addiction and it's not just drugs. It's fame too. And so I can see him making mistakes and hurting you when not intentionally, but still, still hurting you because he's out here doing his shit. Um, so Bobby Brown heads back to Atlanta to get back to Whitney, he says, and we see him talking to her in the limo. Um, like, he's like, you gonna come pick me up? Like the way they talk to each other, they Fuck, guys, they fuck. Um, they say their house is crowded. And so a lot of times they go to a hotel to hang out and spend a long time together. But guys, the hotel's crowded too. <laughs> like when Whitney gets there, Bobby gets there first and he's trying to figure out when she's going to get there. She shows up in her fucking limo and shit and goes to the private entrance and he's downstairs and some employee of the hotel comes down and is like, Mrs. You know, your wife's here. She's upstairs. And he's like, she done snuck up in here. We, I didn't even see her. That's what it's like when you're a power couple. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, I actually don't know how I'd handle it if I were married to someone that famous, 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 famous. I don't want to be famous though. And Bobby does want to be famous. So I can tell we have some differences right there. But it has to be hard. Even if you don't want to be famous. Um... Who was it that was just, mm, Gabrielle Union. Guys, I talk about Gabrielle Union entirely too much. But she has two books. In her second book, she talks about being married to D. Wade. And how when they get out of cars, valets will drive off with her in the backseat. Because once he gets out of the car, they're basically like, all right, bitch. <laughs> like, he's the most important person. Like, people don't even see her sometimes. And I was like, these people ain't seen Bring It On. Like, they don't know. <laughs> they haven't seen 10 Things I Hate About You. They don't, they're not familiar. But she, what she talks about is like this, this how she's secondary. And how, like, how people like step in front of her to talk to him. As if she's not a person there. And I bet you Bobby goes through that all the time. Must be tough. Um, so they get upstairs and Whitney, and you know, she is skinny as I don't know what. She's wearing a Beyonce shirt because she went to the Beyonce concert. Uh, Whitney's not a hater, guys. Whitney was one of the few old school, like the singers that when the next generation came, she gave it to them. She, she would talk poignantly with Monica 
about singing and about her voice. She Tamar has a story in which she tells in that she's singing with her sister and wit afterwards Whitney comes up to her and points at her and goes, You, 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 I heard you, I heard you. Like just giving her all her fucking flowers. She did it so well to fucking Brandy that Brandy will fight anybody who says anything about Whitney Houston. Like if you tell someone, like Brandy has been publicly posting for years about how Whitney Houston said she, her voice was the next <laughs> And how she doesn't say that to anybody else. And like Brandy, Brandy felt so seen and loved by Whitney. I just saw a clip not too long ago about Brandy meeting Whitney Houston for the first time and how her face. Um, it's, they met for the first time, I think, because of Cinderella. The only Cinderella I acknowledge has got Whitney Houston in it. And, and, uh, and Brandy, and it's so fucking good. You can watch it on Disney Plus actually right now. But, like, Whitney gave the younger girls her flowers. You know, one of the things that bothers me about Nicki Minaj, there's a lot of things that bother me about Nicki Minaj, but I can't go into all of them today. I've already been talking for two hours. But one of the things that bothers me about her is how not giving to the younger, to the newcomer. She is, like, there was nobody but Nicki for a long time. There's Nicki could stop right now and her legacy is secured. They will speak Nikki's name for decades to come. Her legacy is secured. She's done so much. But the way she handles the up-and-comers is always from a place of jealousy, from a place of you won't take my spot, from a place of that, as opposed to a I see you when game recognizes game. And Whitney was like, I see you. Um... And again, Whitney is a singer, excuse me, was a singer. She cared about music and songs and using her voice as an instrument. And so when other people did it well, she wanted to welcome them. They're like she cared about the music more than she cared about anything else. Um, that's not to say she didn't have her feuds, Mariah Carey, but still. But still, she had no problem giving it up to the younger girls and letting them know and encouraging them and giving them advice and just giving them their flowers while I'm standing right here and not later. That's That says a lot about who she is as a person, who she was as a person. Um, so they see each other and they hug and kiss. And the two of them are about to go in another room and kick the cameras out when Whitney kind of and goes, oh, um, Bobby Christina's here. She's here. You didn't see her? You didn't see her? And, Bob, and Bobby's like, no, I didn't fucking see her. By the way, there are a million people in this fucking hotel suite. A million fucking people. They just said the house gets crowded. They bring all the people from the house here? I don't know. So many fucking kids. So many people in there. Um... Bobby goes to a cabinet and opens it. And before you see anybody, all you hear is, Mommy told, Mommy told. I heard her whispering, Mommy told. Um, and then you see Bobby Christina pop out the fucking cabinet. She definitely was like a little spoiled princess. She definitely was. Um, spoiled in so many ways and neglected in other ways at the same time. Very much a poor little rich girl. Uh, but you can see her hugging and everything. And she's like talking to her parents, and then suddenly, like, they're back at the front door, that door of that place they're going into. But Whitney Houston 
is singing a little ditty that she made up and doing like the moonwalk. <laughs> and then they shut the door in Bobby Christina's face and she's like banging on the door. <laughs> and then they're fucking like, <laughs> which is like that whole scene is representative of what the fuck, the everything, you know? Them locked up in a room with Bob Christina going, please, someone talk to me. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is funny. Um, and next time we see them, they're kind of like in Bobby. Well, we don't see anybody. We see Bobby Brown. He talking about he had a rough night because he ain't seen his wife in 30 some odd days. And he's putting preparation H on anything. I'm like, Bobby, <laughs> tell us you was fucking without telling us you was fucking. Um, Whitney Houston comes down there and the two of them sing and dance about sunglasses guys they did a whole dance routine and song right there the workers in the store are just staring at them but again they connect to each other on a level that like so many people are like what does she see in him they are both child stars they both carry their entire family they both love music i they they both vibe with each other on that level they're both silly whitney loves the play and people don't see her that way. She loves to fucking play. They they just, you know, that interview that Wendy Williams did where she was on, you know, Wendy Williams. Guys, a lot of stuff's going on with Wendy Williams. I hope everything's okay. I just, I, I don't think Wendy Williams is a wonderful fucking person. I just think, I just, I hate to hear that she's being financially taken advantage of. Apparently, that's what people are alleging. The bank is refusing to give her money because the transaction she are making is sound like indicative of like she's being taken advantage of and like there's a court thing going on and like she don't have it's just her her adult son but i think he's like in his early 20s and like anything could be happening with fucking wendy and i like i said i don't think she's some wonderful person i've i've met her a couple times but like i hate the thought of anybody going through some shit like that i hate the thought of anybody taking being taken advantage of i hate the thought of like how quickly and fall she's fall, how far she's fallen in such a small bit of fucking time. I hate that. And I hope everything's okay. But um, Wendy Williams was, you know, Wendy Williams' job was to talk cash money shit about celebrities on the air. I mean, she loved to call somebody gay. She loved, she loved to call somebody fucking gay. And, you know, this is the era where something, where she'd just get on the, on the, radio and be like, Puff Daddy's been having sex with six men last night at the club. And you could just, like, why would you say that? And like, so either you're outing someone or you're using gay as a way to, to indicate something's wrong. Like, this is back in the 90s, whatever. So anyway, she's talking shit about Whitney. Whitney calls in. That Whitney, Robin talks, Robin was there with her. She said Whitney wanted her to drive her down to the station so she could beat up with, uh, Wendy Williams. That is Whitney. That is Whitney. Just like Mean Kim is real Kim, that's fucking Whitney. Um, when they ride up to the, like, I guess they're going back to the hotel or, like, upstairs. Um, they not, they don't, this show does not do a clear job of telling me where people are. There's no Chirons. I mean, there are Chirons, but they're done in a weird way. Like, the first time you see someone on the screen, they pause it and they put a Chiron in. But, like, they don't indicate where we are and what we're doing. It's quick cuts, cut, 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 cut. And, like, the narrative of it, I'm like, this is moving too fast. Why are they now in in a, a limo singing Gilligan's Island? Like, did they, are they, like, I, it's some, so, 
they move from this hotel stuff to the to the Bahamas. And like, are they singing Gilligan's Island theme song together because they're on an island? Is that what they're doing? It's weird, and they're not telling us the information. Um, they're in the Bahamas shopping, and crowds are forming. People are taking pictures with their actual cameras. Like, people stop and take pictures of them. Like, don't ask to take a picture. Just start taking pictures. And Whitney seems annoyed, and Bobby Brown seems in his element. Um... So, you know, they're out there, they're at the Bahamas, they have all the kids with them. Um, normally, like, so in a reality show now, we would have gotten a voiceover or a talking head from Bobby explaining that we need a vacation because I've been in jail. <laughs> and and I'm going to bring all the kids with me because I haven't been able to see them. And Whitney, and we get something from Whitney going, yeah, we need a vacation. And we always go to the Bahamas because the Bahamas is one of our favorite places to go. Like something like that. And we just, they just plop us down in the fucking Bahamas. And so, the like, there is a staff member telling Whitney and the kids that the pool has been closed down for their privacy. Um, so they don't have to swim with the other people. And yet, Bobby Brown is out in the crowd that is forming around. I'm not sure if they're standing right there at the pool or if they're, like, outside the pool area. Um... They're taking pictures. He's meeting people, doing shit to be seen. And then they end up trying to eat. And people after, like, person after person keeps coming up to interrupt them. And they're interrupting Whitney. They're not interrupting Bobby. And I'm and I'm sure that they recognize Bobby. Like, if you know who Whitney Houston is and you see this black guy with her, you know that's Bobby Brown, right? So, but they're interrupting Whitney. Everybody wants a picture. By the way, she's not dressed for this. And again, when we talk reality TV shows, she is early arts, arts reality TV show. Like she's literally wearing what she would be wearing if the camera was not there. Her hair is fucked up. She's got a, a scarf around her head and then another scarf. She's got a scarf around her hair, but then she's got another scarf that goes around the top of her head and ties at the bottom of her chin and sunglasses, no makeup. She's definitely skinny. And like, she doesn't look good and everybody wants to take a picture with her. And I'm like, she is chilling. It's like, I would be embarrassed to ask her to take it. But that's just, that's me. I find interrupting people while they're eating so they can give me something to, and I, I guess, I guess like people feel such a, like a, um, a, a, a social, like parasitic, um, or parasocial, excuse me, a parasocial relationship with celebrities that, that, they're not people. So like, just like you would be hate to be interrupted while you're trying to finish your meal, you think that they won't be and that they're used to this. And then if they're rude to you, then you're like, I can't believe she was rude. I bought her album. Okay, well, you bought her album. You didn't buy her. She's just trying to fucking eat. Like, this would never happen. She, They would be in some private place, you know, in some private villa in a private dining room or something. They, they would never have eaten, like, on the sidewalk here. It looks like they're on a fucking sidewalk. They're at a table on a sidewalk. It looks like they're at a fucking in and out. I don't know. It, it, I was like, this is one of the most famous people in the world. Why is she just sitting here? This woman's contemporaries are Madonna and Michael Jackson. This is back when people used to be famous, famous. You know, famous like we didn't know what the fuck they were doing, famous. Not famous, famous now. Not like famous like right now. I could find out where you are right now because you're doing a video where you are and tag the place where you are and told me how long you're going to be there. These people, like, 
why is she on the on the side of a sidewalk where people can see her? Um. So, like, while everyone keeps asking her, she's like throw. She's like giving it back to them. Like a dude asked her, "Could he take a picture?" She says, "You're too big." <laughs> she says, "Whitney loves the kids," or something like that. I don't. She didn't. Did she say which? Or I love kids, but you're too big. You're grown. You shouldn't be doing this. Um. <laughs> at one point she's like ma'am are you filming me are you filming me <laughs> can I live can I live <laughs> and then she yells damn 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 which is a reference to good times if you don't know Florida Evans uh, her James Evans dies and that's because the character didn't want to do the, the show anymore and when she finds out she like breaks I believe it's a Jesus picture because they used to always have to apologize to Jesus when they got in trouble and she goes damn 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 <laughs> it's like Martin did it a lot in his show like <laughs> but that's what she's doing she's referencing that um and then she's just can I be a real person can I be a real person <laughs> and yeah I would say the same thing too why are we standing out here why are we counting on the public to be accommodating when we know the general public is terrible. Then a woman in a bikini, and so they're not right next. Like it's like they can't access the table, but they can't. It's like a table's like behind a shortened barrier, like a fence or something, and they're all out on the sidewalk that's outside of it because people are yelling over to them, which is also like it's even worse to me. Like you're not even coming up to me quietly, going, "Hey, can I?" I am a big fan. Can I take a picture or whatever? You're like, can I take a picture? Like, it's weird. <laughs> like, she's in a zoo or something. But this woman in this bikini, I mean, she's in the Bahamas. I don't know. And she's like, she kind of yells, can I take a picture with you, with you at Whitney? And Whitney goes, no, <laughs> I'm eating. <laughs> Whitney is not free. <laughs> Again, people really have this ethereal, like, of her. And I guess, you know, I think this show, one of the reasons people hated this show, like a lot of people were upset at this show, is that we had not seen Whitney. Like, so when Whitney comes out to do uh, press and everything, she's in, she's dressed up, she's got makeup, her hair is done, she's wearing a wig or whatever. And so she seems different. But then now we're watching her and we're like, oh, Whitney is um, very thin. Whitney is, you know what I mean? <laughs> so. The woman's like, aww. And she's like, can I take a picture with you to Bobby? And Bobby says, yes. And the woman's like, I don't want to make her mad. She's a sister. And this is like, it's almost like ADR because I don't see her saying it. But I'm like, and I also don't know what was her. But I was like, why? what does this mean? So Bobby goes over there to take a picture. And he says to us that he got into the business for the people. And Whitney got into the singer, got into it for the singing. And never were true words spoken. Bobby Brown is not a singer. Does he sing? Yeah, but he's not a singer. He's an entertainer. He's pelvic thrust and he's like dancing and he's like, you know, wearing an all leather outfit and seeing ain't nobody humping around when he definitely was humping around. And so <laughs> he's that. He's like jumping in the crowd and kissing somebody. He's an entertainer. There's nothing wrong with that. He's never been like a singer and Whitney's a singer so but an entertainer needs a crowd and a singer just needs a song and those are two separate things 
You you feel me here? Um, yeah. So like, yeah, they they see things differently. Whitney goes, I'm going back to the room. <laughs> Kisses Bobby. And as she's walking away, she's like, I'm the mean one, but I keep shit real. And I was like, yeah, this is Whitney. Um, later, Whitney and Bobby are eating dinner just together. And they show them to a little tiny table next to, right next to the aquarium, which I can see is like a prime seat. You want to sit next to that, like all the sharks and everything going. But also, they are definitely on display. Everyone can see them. Also, they've got a camera following. Let's not talk about that. Let's not forget about that. There's a production. There's probably a boom mic and shit. They are making a scene, okay? And, you know, uh, they're, like, everyone's staring at them. And and Bobby says to her, he says, you know what I was talking about, thinking about? Taking you upstairs. And Whitney says something like, you better. And this... Reminds me of the first couple of seasons of T.I. and Tiny. That show started right after T.I. got out of prison. Right? And for gun shit. And then he... Then right after he got out of for gun shit, they were pulled over. And they had... She had like ecstasy and other drugs on her. And she took the rap for that. I mean, it wasn't on her. It was in the car. And she said it was hers because he's on probation. And a lot of people clowned him for that because why would you let the mother of your children get a drug charge? Well, I know why because she ain't going to jail and your ass is getting arrested right now because you're on fucking probation or something. He's out on bail. He's something. And, um, now we know why she had all that on her, right? Right, y'all? Mm. Um, so, it reminds me of the beginning of their show, which I did watch. Uh, and T.I. can be very charming on screen with his uh, expeditiously and other big words he read on his word of the calendar, word of the day calendar. Uh, but this is almost the exact scene where he's talking about taking her upstairs and Tiny said, well, how are you going to do that? And he kind of like uh, mimes taking off her clothes or whatever. And it was endearing at the time. I mean, I didn't know as much about T.I. and Tiny at the time. Um, so, and this before Tiny went to Africa and got her eyes permanently blue. Just aren't context. She changed the color of her eyes and now, and then everyone was talking about how she like a fucking pit bull and they were doing <laughs> So, they talk so much shit about Tiny. Um, all, all that shit she's done to herself has all to do with how people talk. How they perceive whether she is cute enough. Because when T.I. came out, he was like, you know, everybody wanted to fuck him. Um, again, he's charismatic. I don't think he's handsome. He's got swag. And that's what it is. But people... So T.I. was broke when he got with Tiny. And Tiny had just had like all these fucking hits. And Tiny had that, that, that. Um, she and, she and Candy have been writing together. They just done no scrub. They, like, Tiny had some money. Tiny was doing fine. She wasn't performing anymore, but Tiny was, like, that house, that was Tiny's house. And what happened is T.I. gets famous. People realize who he's with. And they decide that sh she's not hot enough for him. And that's, people talk about her being Miss Piggy and everything. Miss Piggy's fucking glamorous as fuck. If somebody called me Miss Piggy, I'd be like, thank you. Um, but just 
talking shit about her, calling her fat. Tiny's not fat. She's really little. She's top heavy though. Like she's nobody's definition of fat, except for when she was pregnant. I mean, calling fat people, calling pregnant people fat. Like what is that? Or just talking about their bodies at all. Like anyway, so like all the stuff she's done to her face and her body and and the things she's allegedly doing with women is all about like people not thinking she's hot enough for TI and those insecurities for that and also the fact that he cheats on her all the time. Or maybe he doesn't cheat on her, maybe they have an open relationship cuz he motherfucker don't even hide it. I don't know. Why am I talking about that? I don't remember. Oh, I was talking about how this is like remin- like uh TI and Tiny did, like kind of like re redid this uh scene uh on their show. Okay, let me finish this up. It's about to be three fucking hours. Um uh so at some point Whitney's smiling in the distance and maybe she's smiling at the cross the guy across the room because the camera pans on him or maybe not. It doesn't look like she's like looking directly at anybody, but whatever. And Bobby's like, who are you smiling at? And they start fussing about it. And she says she's going to knock him out or something. And he says that he'll sue her and take her straight to jail. Which makes them bust. They both bust out laughing looking at each other. And I think they are laughing because Bobby Brown just went to jail for hitting her. I think they are laughing about that. (laughs) I can't. That's what they're giggling about. He's like, ah, you're going to jail. Because he knows. He's been in fucking jail. Um, some man comes up to them and says, Mrs. Houston. And Bobby Brown says, Mrs. Brown. <laughs> and the man corrects himself. And I guess he asks ask her to take a photo with his wife. And he does. And then Whitney's like, let's take this upstairs. And when they're leaving, she kind of puts her arm and goes, come on. And I'm like, is she talking to the camera crew? Is she talking to production? <laughs> but, you know, this we're just filming this. This is new to her. She's saying, come on to people that we're not supposed to know are there. That's funny. As they walk through the lobby of the hotel, she is singing and they are dancing together. He grabs her and they're like doing like the tango or whatever. And everybody's watching them and she's got a little, she's effortless, effortlessly belting out a little ditty. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like when, it's like when you see like little Instagram videos of Mariah Carey just quietly, just casually dusting something and hitting those fucking whistle notes that she whistle notes she can't always hit anymore but she's just hitting it like it's so interesting it's like it's like taking a ferrari to get groceries and driving 20 miles an hour like i can do all kinds of shit but i just give you a little something something it's so it's i don't know it's it's delightful to watch her do that um Yeah, you know, uh, as they get up, you know, people scream at them as they walk through. Again, they're with a camera crew and lighting and all that shit. But, uh, you know, everybody's staring at them. And they're upstairs and they're about to go in the hotel room. And they cut. I don't know if they're in their suite, in the hallway in their suite, or if they're in the hallway before they get to their room. I feel like they're in their suite already because they're, like, hugging and kissing and they about to get it down. They open this door and them kids and they're going wild. Like there's not a parent, an adult, a super, a super, a chaperone, a supervisor in there. <laughs> they running around, jumping on bed, screaming and shit. <laughs> like court these kids. <laughs> and later we get a voiceover from Bobby saying, "Did you think the night was over?" 
uh-uh, everybody has to go out in the Bahamas. And I don't know, that's true. I ain't never been to Bahamas, but do you have to go? I don't think it's a law. I don't think as you touch down, there's like they, they pass out a piece of paper with all the laws, and one of them is you must go out. I don't think that's true, but he goes out. And so we get a, like a montage of him in the club, women twerking all on him and shaking it. Like, this is before big butts became a thing. This is 2005. So these are some little tiny butts shaking <laughs> And I was like, that is not even enough booty meat. You're going to have to get some more booty meat if you're going to be shaking it like that. Um, they definitely look like Miley Cyrus at the VMAs. <laughs> Just shaking nothing but bone. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, that is not twerking. That is twitching. And so, <laughs> um, you know, it's very early 2000 women. And one of them was asking, they're like asking for his number and asking for a kiss. And he, when he gets in the limo to leave, he's like, these women are so different these days. <laughs> But when that woman asks, she's like, well, how do I get in contact with you? And he goes, I'm married. She shrugged and smiled at him like, that's not what you said last night. She really was like, girl, why are you trying to play me talking about you married? You is not married or you're not married the way you... Like, she really was like, why are you saying that? <laughs> that's it. I mean, again, this is, a, this is such a proto-reality TV show that like in terms of storyline they don't tie everything up and in terms of like making us understand what the next thing is they don't tell us they don't like like i'm to i'm to realize that they are going to dinner that night and it's the same day as the day that they're out there in in the streets <laughs> whatever but they won't tell me that it's very interesting I enjoy, like, it's two and a half hours into this shit, guys. I enjoy talking about it. I, I, uh, listen, Alex, thank you for allowing me to talk about Bobby Brown. Um, I said I wanted a reason to talk about Bobby Brown, and you gave me a reason to talk about Bobby Brown and $20, so thank you. Um, if you guys want to commission an episode, um, you can email me at hello at buypumpkin.com, or you can message me on Patreon. If it takes me a little bit of time to get back to you, I'm sorry. It's just that, like, Guys, I'm busy, <laughs> but I will get back to you. And like, is there like, this is a great way to get me to talk about something that I'm not talking about enough for you. This is a great way to do that. Commission a fucking episode. All right, later. Bye.